friends welcome back ladies gentlemen and envies to watery death show a bad anime podcast but we think that can be good if enough effort love and fun are put into it i am the subtle doctor leading the charge today uh my musketeer on the front line um, with my newly discovered rifle that I'm a little bit afraid of, uh, but but I but I trust in my general who's commanding me that it's going to work and we're going to destroy these knights. I'm a also a, a shirtless beefcake with a strange facial hair. I think uh, that general leading me, who I'm putting my faith and trust in, is none other. Than the guiltiest gear, the chromiest dome, the hardest working man in pod business. It is Shadon. Hello, Shadon. <sighs> Sorry, I I just felt like sniffing some glue because I figured it would put me in the proper mindset for this particular show we're covering. Ah, also, some of the characters in this show act like they've sniffed glue as well, so you know, it's all it all fits together. What is this show that you're speaking about that we're covering today? Uh, this show is Drifters. Um, I think the subtitle for it is A Battle in a Brand New World War. Um, although I would personally prefer to call it a Fate Zero Effort. Oh, so God. just give away the game completely on the front end about how you feel about this. I, I, would, I would prefer Fate Stay High. That actually uh, works as well. Yes, that does That's work. the one I like. Yeah, we're talking about drifters, and it's not episodic analysis. We've been doing that God for quite a while, but we we're gonna. Can you imagine? Oh my goodness! I'd have this to buy... was 2016. The only way I'd be able to cope with doing this episodically would be if I bought a bong to use while doing it. <laughs> goodness. Uh, so I take it that you are not feeling good about this. That you are. That you're not looking forward to this podcast. Before I go into you're deeper, adrift. Before I go into deep, we've got like a section laid out later for spoiler-free thoughts and all that. But I'll just quickly sum up by saying, this isn't the worst thing I've seen, not by a long shot even. Um, the, if I had to use one word to describe it, it would be lame. That's really my feeling on the outset. The only other thing I'll mention as well is you, obviously, you folks at home can't see. Uh, what I'm seeing right now on my computer, uh, we're doing this via Discord call, and my avatar is currently set to Foss from Land of the Lustrous, uh, that scene where they are looking blankly in the water while someone's like talking to them and just kind of like, uh, uh, you all know it if you've seen that show, and it so perfectly sums up my feelings and my mood towards Drifters. Um, 
But let never be said that I, you know, I can't see a some nice little moments here and there, some stuff I actually did like in the show, and b that if done differently, it could have been a lot more entertaining or actually entertaining for that matter. But we got what we were given, and it's just meh. Well, with that blasphemy out of the way, let me point out how I feel about the show, which is that I think it's fucking awesome. I really, really like this show. Um, by no means is it a masterpiece, and it's not going f- for that kind of thing. It's not your prestige anime drama, you know, Rakugo this ain't. But uh, it's a very different sort of schlocky, kind of like off-kilter, fun, violent thing. Uh, it's very much its own thing, and uh, it's a thing that I like uh, quite a bit, although I don't think it's perfect but i think it's very very excellent uh at what it sets out to do is and i found it very entertaining so as usual we are going to be on opposite sides of the ring uh when we're talking about a show this happens a lot (laughs) so maybe this will make for interesting discussion about drifters uh shadon do you have uh more more thoughts before uh, we kind of set the table and talk about what the show is and who made it. I mean, when it comes to Drifters, my opinion is no thoughts head empty. Okay. Thank you, Goku. Um, <laughs> here we go, then. <laughs> Drifters is uh, a dark fantasy <laughs> story. It is uh, originally uh, came into being as a manga um, by Kota Hirano. You may know him as the author of Helsing, which is a way, way more popular work by him that's received, I think at this point, two anime adaptations. You know, there was the Gonzo 2003, uh, and then you had uh, the 2010 OAV Helsing Ultimate. I think it started in 2010, but Mm -hmm. it took a long time to come out. I don't have the page up for that, but like, um, but yeah, that's that's sort of considered the definitive one because I think it was made after the manga was finished. And so, and whereas the first one kind of went off and did some of its own, its own stuff, but we're talking about drifters, not Helsing drifters is still ongoing as a manga. It has not concluded. Uh, it began in 2009 running in a uh, magazine, a uh, Seinen magazine called young King hours. And by like, O U R S like yours, mine, ours, not the time, ours. There are currently six Tonkabon volumes of it, uh, and there's a few chapters that are um, un-Tonkabonized at the moment. There's like, I don't know, close to 10, something like that. And so apparently this is a thing that is being written sporadically uh, as, let me do, I'm trying to do quick math in my head. 10, 12 years has been going and uh, only six volumes. So uh, that that works out to in a chapter every couple months, something like that. Um, it probably won't be finished for a while. But um, it's, a, it's a popular manga, relatively speaking. I mean, it's sold, I think all told, the volumes have sold a million and a half copies in five different languages, according to Wikipedia. You know, it's been nominated for a couple Taisho Awards, which is a very prestigious <laughs> manga award. Yes? I'm just laughing because, again, speaking to how the sausage is made here for people listening to this podcast, um, just prior 
just prior to us actually starting recording this, uh, me and Doc were catching up because we hadn't spoken to each other in a little while. And I was mentioning my grievances at uh, YouTube content earning hundreds of thousands of views when it amounts to nothing more than fan wank and bullshit. And so Doc reading out the numbers here <laughs> for Drifters, um, as someone who has now seen the show, it it just felt kind okay. of simpatico. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I see your point. However, <laughs> so it's it's not just a popular thing. It it has it's critically acclaimed because it was nominated, like I said, for these Taisho Awards. And I mean, I'll just read you some of the winners of these awards. A uh, very prestigious manga award. Chihayafuru has won it. March comes in like a lion. Silver Spoon, a bride story by Kaoru Mori has won this, which is a beautiful manga. Golden Kamui, B Stars, um, Astra Lost in Space, uh, and Blue Period uh, have won some of these awards mm-hmm. uh, up against some stiff competition over the years. So, I mean, although you know, uh, it, for instance, Ancient Mage's Bride never won one, only nominated. Uh, Erased never won one, only nominated. Um, there are certain years a bride story was nominated, but did not win. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it's an honor to be nominated for this kind of thing. Um, and you know, you might say, well, attack on Titan was nominated, but like, I mean, that's just a taste thing. (laughs) We, you can't completely say like attack on Titan was total and utter meritless dreck. I mean, had its had its fans. I mean, hey, it certainly does have its fans. It's putting a US senator through the ringer right now, as he rightly deserves. Topical commentary. Da 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 da. <laughs> uh, um, fuck that guy, by the way. Just uh, so it's clear how I feel about that. Sure, sure. Um, I remain blissfully ignorant of this entire topic. Good. I'm Keep it that way. that way. So, moving on, we're going to talk about the anime adaptation of Drifters, not the manga. The anime adaptation season one, I should say, because <laughs> hey, at the end of the at the end of the final episode, so stay tuned for twenty XX season two. Wow, um, I, I I don't know if to take that as the fact that the creators were really big fans of Mega Man, or if they were just being really really honest about when they expected to get around to making season two. Maybe both. Well, I th- why not both? It could be. I mean, I think it's be- <laughs> I think it's because like they're waiting on just more of it to be made. I think they burned through most of, if not all, of the material. Really? So well, um, gotta, yeah. this this is not endearing me to the idea of the manga anymore. I must say, if the majority <laughs> of the material that we got in the anime is what's already out there in print, and there's like shreds of it left. But anyway, I think that's the case. Any uh, Mark uh, at Vermillionaire. Let us know if we're wrong. Drifter superfan, Mark. Also, uh, Patrick, Surrybot, uh, Drifter's fan. Let, let us know if we're incorrect about this. Oh, I expect they'll be um, both be saying I'm incorrect about many things, but... Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, but you're you're ready for that. You're steeled. Uh, I'm indifferent is what I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this anime adaptation. Um, it was made in 2016 and boy i thought i had the i thought i had it pulled up here uh as far as like the studios go but i can't find 
Uh, so Hood's Entertainment is the animation production, a studio I've never heard of before. But you know, I that's, have, and I can't. That's quite, whatever, whatever. I can't quite place where I have heard of them. Interesting, interesting. I know NBC Universal was associated with this because I saw their, you know, English or you know alphabet name in the credits, and I was just like, I can't believe NBC Universal is associated with this property. <laughs> and yet, uh, and they are. Um, but yeah, 2016 anime adaptation came and went uh I, I didn't really hear too many people talking about it at the time although it had its ardent fans um and it's been probably i mean i think forgotten about largely at this point because if it was not i suspect it would be on a streaming service somewhere but crunchyroll let that one go funimation doesn't have it you know it's sort of uh out there waiting to be licensed rescued by discotech someday mm-hmm. i have a sneaking suspicion as to part of the reason why this show will not appear soon um on streaming services but okay pre-warning to what i'm about to say because uh, i was going to bring this up anyway when we talk about the dub um so this is completely rampant speculation and there's no basis in actual facts or evidence take it as that and nothing more did you watch the show dubbed doc no, neither time. So uh, I watched part of it while it was first airing, but fell off of it. And then I watched it all the way through this time. Neither time did I watch it in English. Uh-huh. Okay, so I didn't watch it dubbed. <laughs> uh, but okay. I did, however, watch the ending all the way through, where it included the credits. Um, I've got two things of note here. The first of which is I want to give a shout to Patrick Seitz, who actually did script work on uh, the dub. Um, Patrick Seitz, well-known voice actor, has done, amongst other things, Ragnar the Blood Edge. I think he was also... Why is this not coming to me? I'm sh- There's so many stuff, so much stuff he's done that it's just not coming to me right mm. now. But you all know who he is. Um, sure. He also did script works on Steinsgate stuff as well, actually. Uh, that's where I remember him from, where he played the role of John Teeter. So, nice little factoid there. This is the sugar that's going to go with the bitter medicine that follows. Um, there were two names that I spied in the dub list. Uh, one of whom I thought, oh, not this fucker. And the other one I thought, oh no, she had to deal with this fucker. I am, of course, referring oh, no. to Vic <laughs> McNoga and Monica Rial. Oh. I don't recall the character that Rial was playing. I think Vic was playing... Gilles Dere or someone I don't remember. How appropriate. Uh, do you do you know what I, Gilles Dere is famous for? I actually it might not have been Gilles Dere. Don't take that like this is my poor memory here. I should really have pulled this one out. It might have been the spear throwing guy. I'm, I'll look. I'll check. So while Doc is checking, I'm just gonna mention that uh again, this is entirely speculation, has no basis in fact. I do not proclaim to be telling you any objective truth here. But one may wonder after what happened, uh and so it's clear where I stand on it, um uh, Vic, well, what does his name rhyme with? You know, <laughs> man couldn't even put up a decent, like, you know, offense in his own fucking prosecution, etc., etc. It should become as no surprise that I think he's a wanker. Um, point being, though, I can only wonder if maybe that part, that might be the reason why it's not appeared on streaming services lately. Um, because it would include, inevitably, the English dub and would include him on it. And maybe they're wanting sure. to avoid the controversy on that. Again, maybe. Again, must stress rampant speculation, no basis in objective reality, purely, you know, whatever. Um, 
But yeah, I couldn't help but spot that as I was going through the credits, and I thought, oh no. Um, especially given that Paul Monica had to fucking work with the guy on this, I can't help but wonder if maybe her experiences <laughs> with him were a part of them were happened while making this show. I don't, again, don't know, pure rampant speculation. Mm-hmm. Must keep stressing, but I just spied that. I was like, Ugh. So Vic is actually Count Saint Germain. That's uh, the one. Who's a different character. He's not, uh, you know, Gilles de Ray is. Um, Gilles de Ray is something else, I'll character. say that. Yeah, Gilles de Ray is uh, the, the one who's with uh, Jean Dauk uh, in, in the middle of the show. He kind of does his thing where. Uh, Count uh, Saint Germain is more like prominent at the end of the show, uh-huh. and uh, Monica Rial plays um, Easy, and those two are never in any scenes together in the show. So here's hoping that they never had to be, you know, in the booth together, well, uh, making stuff, or even at work on the same day. Uh-huh. But moving swiftly on, um, let me just talk about uh, a couple of the people who helped to make the adaptation. A uh, director of this project is uh, Kenichi Suzuki. And uh, Suzuki uh, still uh, working hard. He has uh, made a bunch of the Cells at Work anime adaptations. He directed uh, both seasons of <laughs> Fairy Gone, the, the James Beckett favorite fairy gone um got to direct a little bit of helsing ultimate uh so there's some some crossover with the author there series director for stardust crusaders and the first jojo's bizarre adventure um he's associated with a lot of jojos um series director for the first season series director for stardust uh and stardust egypt uh and the chief director for stone ocean uh done a couple Gundam things. So um so yeah, that is Kenichi Suzuki. And the head writer for this show, Drifters, is uh Hideyuki Kurata, someone whose uh anime writing I like a lot, um, for the most part. You know, he's done uh Made in Abyss, which is the thing that I associate most with Kurata. Mm-hmm. Uh both the script for the movie and was the head writer for the TV show wrote half those scripts. Um, Maria, the Virgin, Witch, the excellent, super duper underrated TV anime that came out, uh, middle of last decade. Um, read or die, uh, wrote the story for the manga and wrote the scripts, uh, for like the OAV, which is amazing. And I haven't seen the TV show adaptation, but he worked on that. Samurai Flamenco, he was the head writer for that. A lot of people consider that like one of the best shows of the last decade. Um, but, you know, I mean, he's he's also worked on some stuff that people don't care for as much. Like he's the head writer for basically the entire run of this, the World God Only Knows franchise, which is something that if you ever watched it, Shadon, you would you would hate. I mean, I just know that you would hate it with the I fire of a thousand never, suns. I have never even heard of that until now. It's like kind of cordoned off on high dive. So that's why you probably haven't seen it. It's in high dive quarantine. It's behind a frosted glass. It very much is. It has has a daily team of scientists who just poke the glass with a long stick so not to provoke it too much. (laughs) 
Oh, the head writer for Tokyo Ravens. That's a new shonen thing that I've been wanting to check out. Um, both seasons of uh, Yukinon favorite Oriimo was the head writer for that. And let's see, there was another thing. Um, wrote some stuff for the Grisaya animes. There was a thing I wanted to mention just for you because... Oh, no. It made me laugh. Oh, Goblin Slayer. <laughs> that was it's associated with Goblin Slayer. Um, I'm so sorry. And of course, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and of course, Drifters. Mm-hmm. And also, we'll mention that uh, some of the scripts of Drifters, like three of them, were written by uh, Yosuke Kuroda. Oh, uh, what? Not the, uh, like it's been a long time since we've mentioned his name so so in the dusty caverns of my brain but didn't we say like he was mm-hmm. like good or am i misremembering no was he no. The, no no wait was he the guy who did no, good, I mean, stuff, yes, but good no. stuff but then also did phantom yes that That's, is correct wow my memory's clearly not as moth yeah. as i thought uh well he wild can... that so you've seen what was it you that was watching the dirty pair movies recently i've watched the tv show but not the movies yet Okay. Okay. Um, I think he's associated with, if I'm not remembering this totally incorrectly, I don't see it. You know, I don't see the project Eden credit on this page. So maybe I'm just misremembering. I think I'm misremembering. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm totally, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the, of someone else associated with phantom that, that directed or worked on 30 pair project Eden, but but Yosuke Kuroda has still b- done a bunch of really good stuff. Um, he's like been the head writer for My Hero Academia for a number of years. Uh, wrote this boxing anime adaptation that I really like called Ring Ni Kakero. Um, some Saint Seiya stuff. Um, you know, done a lot of stuff that I enjoy, but also Phantom. But the thing that I remember him for most is actually Trigun. He's the head writer for Trigun. Mm. And he wrote um, every single script for Trigun, uh, which is which is interesting because, um, you know, Trigun also ran in this Seinen magazine that, uh, Trigun Maximum, I should say, ran in this Seinen magazine that Drifters and Helsing uh, ran in. And a lot of people associate Helsing and Trigun because uh, they were, you know, they came out roughly around the same time, you know, four years apart or so uh, in America. Um, dudes with long sort of red colored trench coats that bore sort of similar looks, sort of Yasuhiro Naito-ish design, um, long pistols, you know, and they ran in the same magazine and Yosuke Kuroda worked on uh, that there's a link here between Drifters and Helsing and Trigon, which I thought was kind of fun mm-hmm. to bring up. I suppose so, I should put on the table at the, right now so people are clear. I haven't actually seen Helsing. <laughs> Neither of them. The only experience I have with Helsing is through the process of osmosis, in which I've just heard about it over the course of many years, and watching an AMV that used Helsing footage once back in 2007. That's it. That is the subtotal of my Helsing experience. Um, I will hopefully eventually get around to watching it. I don't want to let drifters dissuade me from giving it a try. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna uh, be fair. Yeah. I think Ultimate is on Funimation, and that's the one you should watch. I mean, that one's really good. the The only thing, I, in my opinion, 
worth kind of going back to the Gonzo one for is just watching the ending song or maybe just listening to the ending song, uh, that Mr. Big song. It's really freaking good. Um, that's the only positive. Thing. I mean, there's there was like cool stuff in it, but all the cool stuff was done better in Ultimate, and uh, it was just it didn't it didn't go off the rails like the for the first one really just kind of petered out. Um, and it's what Gonzo was known for doing in the truth in the in the two thousands. My friend is just uh, coming on uh, strong, coming in hot, and then really petering out. So, just like this show uh, well actually no that's giving oh, too much credit that's actually being too nice to him in my opinion no come on come on you didn't like the beginning like the the beginning was like a just like you were like it was a blitz of it was a, uh, it was a cock tease bizarre concepts it it's a oh cock, stop it it's a cock tease is what it was but we'll get to that okay uh well <laughs> Do you think you can summarize the plot without being overly negative? On yes. I, I, it, won't, okay. it, won't, it won't take very long. Um, although <laughs> well, that's fair. The only problem is, is I don't recall some of the characters' names, so I might have to invent some of them. So we have this dude. This should be fun. We have this dude who dresses in red, and he's a swordsman. And he's a swordsman who really likes collecting heads. He is, however, not the star of the new Highlander movie as much as he wishes he was. Um, he dies gets, you know, turned into a pop-up pirate uh, toy because people stab him with tons of spears. And he wakes up in a weird, like, white corridor. I mean, a fate worse than death is is like, you know, finding you're now working a dead-end office job, I suppose. So maybe it truly is purgatory. Uh, But this dude is reading a newspaper. Like, he just, something happens. He gets teleported to this alternate universe. Uh, So now he's officially in an isekai. Poor bastard. Yes, Um, yes. And it... He ends up encountering two other characters, one of whom I also don't remember the name of. Uh, is it Yoichi? Okay, so the the main character is Toyohisa. That's the one. Uh, and Toyohisa, like you said, when he uh, gets like by this uh, this dude clad in white reading a newspaper at a desk called Murasaki. We don't learn that for a while, and he shoots him through a door which takes him to this alternate universe where he goes to this sort of rundown castle like you said where he meets yoichi uh you're right it is yoichi and who oda nobunaga that's right the 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 first time ever he's been in an anime (laughs) yeah everyone's favorite go-to everyone just fucking Mm. loves a bit of oda nobunaga even i knew of that guy prior to drifters just for again from the process of osmosis um, very famous historical figure yep. in Japan. Famous enough you'd think to be likable enough as he was, but oh boy, uh, we'll get to that later. So, um, this world... Oh god, this is where I just realized I've got to start explaining some other stuff, including who the Black King is. <laughs> <laughs> why don't we explain the concept? I mean, like, so why is, he, why is you know, someone who died at the Battle of Sekigahara... Uh, which is in like the late 16th, early 17th century, sort of encountering Nobunaga, who should have been dead at this point, I think, and Yoichi, who fought in a battle that was centuries earlier, like in 11 or 1200. What's going on? My, my best understanding of this is that they have been drafted here to fight in a war as drifters, uh, versus a group of people known as Ends. 
Um, I freely admit I'm not entirely clear on what distinguishes one from another and that we later learn there is apparently some sort of office politics water cooler fight going on between... Yes. Uh, <laughs> Between what's his name, the guy you mentioned before, who's constantly Murasaki, Murasaki uh-huh. and this girl um, who looks like um, Misa Easy, from Death from, from Death Note, except more purple. Um, <laughs> yes. So I don't like, and she's uh, looks like she's cosplaying uh, someone, but I don't exactly know who. I- I'm surprised she did. Yeah, that's I'm that's su- easy. Go ahead, make make the. Well, I was gonna say if this if this if this was on a streaming service, I'd expect the words "paid promotion" to appear above her every time that she appeared, because she looks like she's wearing clothing entirely from Hot Topic. <laughs> I'm just just gonna say. Uh, by the way, why they're doing this? Where what exactly is going on? Well, if you heard my uh, our discussion on Death Parade, where I was like they went too much into a little too much into the why without giving us enough to explain it. Uh, same problem here. It isn't explained. I will, however, grant, as much as I otherwise probably shouldn't, that this was intended to be the first season of, I'm assuming, several. Um, so I'm willing to let that slide, and it's ultimately not all that important. It is, it is a means to yes. a bunch of ends, as it turns out. Exactly. Uh, and, it's a, and, it's a, and some drifters as it's well. A, exactly. It's like a sort of perfunctory uh premise or sort of explanation rather uh to to get to this idea of historical figures from all different times uh colliding uh Uh on a battlefield not just any battlefield but a battlefield populated by fantasy you know species uh um, mythical creatures uh all that kind of stuff sort of swirled around in a into a delicious stew mm-hmm. uh with an exotic blend of of herbs spices and flavors mm-hmm. and a lot of shit that's not me being facetious. <laughs> literally <laughs> Wait, i was saying that's not even me being facetious about the show that is you are being facetious uh, 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 uh. Uh. <laughs> there's not enough beer in my beer for this um but anyway one thing i'll say before we move on from it the dis- the thing that distinguishes drifters and ends isn't anything essential to them? They're both. They're all these people that have been, at the moment of their death, whisked away into this uh, this alternate world timeline. Whatever. Um, the only difference is like the it, the ends all bear this grudge against the world, against humanity, and they all seem to either factually or just believe they have been like the victim of some great injustice. I think you look at all of them being like they all probably died in their minds unjustly. They were put to death for the you know reasons that were wrong, and and they want to get back at humanity, and they're being used by Easy uh, mm-hmm. to to get back at the entire world, um, humanity and uh, and others mm-hmm. uh, in this world of drifters. I have two things to say to that, which I find amusing. Uh, so I was actually looking up Oda Nobunaga's history just to try and get some background on the guy. Uh, he was assassinated by one of his like best friends from what I've read here. Yep. Uh, so yeah, Mitsuhide. I, so I would have thought, I mean, indeed, Mitsuhide actually appears at the very end of the show as a big mm-hmm. dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Uh, <laughs> uh, and all I could think to myself was, hold on. If like when you said that, I was like, wouldn't Oda therefore be an end? Unless that turns out to be a big twist later, but whatever. 
Uh, but the more personal thing, and the thing I was alluding to before, is uh, the ends are led by an enigmatic figure in a cloak named the Black King. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Black King. Mm-hmm. So, so great. So, uh, Who's again, the Black King? <laughs> I, I need to mention again how the sausage is made when it comes to this podcast, because when I started watching this show, Doc asked me, uh, have you figured out who the Black King is yet? And this was when I was about two episodes in, and I was like, not yet. And then it took me about another episode. Um, and I should stress, by the way, the show never reveals who he actually is. But once you think about it and get some pretty obvious visual clues, I mean, the show does yes. lend you a hand or two. Uh, <laughs> the Black King is Jesus Christ. The one and only. Mm-hmm. He is the risen very again. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and he's got his, you know, restorative superpower. Uh, as well here and uh, use for good or ill yep absolutely um so yeah that's the thing um and i so G- only- who would win so jesus uh which general do you think would win in a fight oda nobunaga or jesus christ who would be the better oh, strategist well you know what is a question the show aims to answer put a, put a pin in that for later because we're not going to discuss that as like it's the deadliest warrior thing but we're going to discuss that in this show's politics i hate to use that word this for a show like this but also i would be lying if i said this show wasn't politicized in some form or another just just wait and see we'll get to it um but yes uh jesus christ is rocking around his black king get up uh he wants to free all the metahumans and for him that seems to be a bunch of pigmen like they're out of willow or something uh meanwhile um the others did, were it, they called metahumans in the subs you watched I'm, i might be getting it mixed up because i'm i was recently playing shadow run where like non-human races were called metahumans so i'm just using this a big oh, okay, okay, okay. i think demi humans demi humans that was the one yes you're so, right demi humans you're absolutely right uh, yeah. so anyway odor and his gang in the meanwhile after they meet up they're basically on a long mission to take down a the revolution king. man yeah the jesus king. is like gonna like he's like you know what humanity rejected me so Fuck all of you. I'm going to take these other races that you all think are subservient to you. Bit of a U-turn. We're going to kick your ass. Bit of a U-turn <laughs> in, in a, a bit of a U-turn is perspective, because, again, my knowledge of the Bible is limited to what I do when I am absolutely desperate for, for like, to be put asleep in hotel rooms, you know, because they always leave a copy in the uh, side drawer. Um, but he came back, and he was like, all your sins are absolved. I forgive you all. Uh, be chill later basically um yep but well i'm guessing he i'm guessing when he finally did die the second time around he was a uh, he had a change of heart he recanted on his deathbed whoops bit of unfortunate uh, i mean well we can at least say drifters 1345 is uh is the new chapter in the bible verse so there we are um but anyway so yeah that our heroes odin nobunaga and, and his cronies uh, they end up helping a bunch of elves uh, to overthrow a town. Um, clearly showing at some... like I mean, admittedly, this was before Witch 2, but it gave me Witch 2 vibes with the opening town of Flotsam. Because, of course, the humans are raping, pillaging, and plundering and collecting the women for their, you know, for users sex slaves. Wait a minute. Oh. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. The opening town in the Witcher 2 is called Flotsam? Yes. <laughs> is, is, it, it, is there a sister town called Jetsam? Um... No, but there should have been. Yes. 
so now that we we've sorry carry on we have scientifically proven the witcher franchise is built on false ground because it doesn't have nine there anyway they free the elves and all that and then they go to free the dwarves uh they have run-ins uh with some other drifters along the way including hannibal uh, I am not, yes. of course, referring to uh, Lecter fame here. Uh, I am <laughs> yeah. referring to Hannibal of Carthage, I think it is, or maybe I'm getting it wrong. Yep, that's correct. Uh, no, you're correct. The the guy behind the most uh, impressive, or one of the most impressive maneuvers in military history, uh, and that is not by accident on the show's design. Uh, the show has an emphasis on not just individual combat ability, but also tactical and strategical brilliance, hence why Nobunaga's in this, because he was not known for being a not necessarily known for being a frontline soldier but rather a tactician uh boy howdy does it make a big deal of that um so he's in there there is also billy the kid at one point um if i'm so not mistaken it's not billy the kid i thought it was billy the kid the first time i watched it it's actually it's the wild bunch it's uh the sundance kid and butch cassidy is the other guy ah. with him, his companion so famous outlaws but you know billy the kid sundance kid I suppose it could be all the same to you. Outlaw Cowboys. It's a cow- it's a famous cowboy, really. Um yes. that came that came first and who slotted into that role came second, I suspect, in the writing process. Uh so there's them. There's also this Japanese fighter pilot who appears. I don't recall his name and he's completely irrelevant <laughs> don't know to the plot. Name. So he doesn't he has to come into play later, right? I mean surely. <laughs> yep. There's also a Japanese aircraft character character, sorry carrier featured at some point and again i don't know who the captain of that is he's um, just in the, like the credits of the last episode he's in the That's opening the only play this is y- why yeah i i do not call this show a cock tease lightly because of that but there's other stuff that i'm going to complain about later um oh you get you get you get action you get action it's not a tease in that you're not left with blue balls you get action it's just there's more to come there's a second date there's more when, that we haven't when, gotten but when, it's not when, a total when, tease do, do you want do you want to remind me when the, the next season is due to come around well that's what, uh, but, what but what you're year? calling what, it a tease what unfairly what, what year what year <laughs> i just want the, you to say the year. <laughs> that time when oh no wait that's 1990x when uh when fist of the north star is set no this is to 20xx yeah. when season two is uh Slave to come out, but yeah. I just want to say that I think Cocktease is unfair because oh. that would imply that you gotten zero satisfaction. I'm not saying it's. I don't think you call everything as incomplete a Cocktease because that implies no satisfaction. Really. Oh, I'm. I'm the show delivers quite a bit. In I'm, my refer- opinion, I'm, I'm referring throughout. more to the broad concepts of why we should done. Maybe Cocktease is a bit histrionic in me, but. Anyway, I'll explain that later. So to, to round up the summary, uh, the dwarves are freed. The dwarves build muskets uh, because muskets are the shit. Um, Nobunaga is all about muskets. Muskets, muskets, muskets. Uh, originally a Portuguese import as history shows, so uh, oops. <laughs> can't, can't attribute that to Japanese ingenuity entirely, but anyway. Um, yeah. No, I don't think the show does either. I think he's like wowed by them and be like, oh my god, I wish I had these. When I was, uh, you know, when I was alive, he did have, have done he, some different he did, stuff. He did have them when they, he was alive. Muskets are just firearms. Um, well, muskets, firearms. I think they're called something else in the. I mean, I'm actually looking over his. Uh, That's interesting. Like, because he acts in the show, you know, he's very much like, you know, oh my god. Uh, but maybe it's just modern guns that he's so. 
They don't look. Um, they don't look very much. Yeah, uh, they. I mean, he knows about black powder. You're right. He knows what what elementary rifles are. I think he was just wowed by the more advanced firearms he saw from like uh, Sundance Kid had like a like a Colt 45, and then they had a Gatling gun, which he was drooling over. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think you're you're right on that. I don't yeah. think, it, but I don't think it attributes them to like being made invented by japan the musket they were invented by dwarves don't you know <laughs> well he, they did bring in the musket from uh the real world through which they use as the framework right yeah whose was that i don't even remember who they got it from originally. i don't i don't recall but there is also the specific mention of the tanagashima uh in mm-hmm. the, in the sub so believe me the impression i got was this is very isn't japan awesome but we'll get to that later. oh yeah oh i'm not i will never dispute that is totally yeah. correct that this is like uh is the right word jingoistic here this is a very raw raw i i, I have a different like, word. japan is pretty freaking awesome <laughs> i have a different word for it and it's propaganda but we'll get that later now oh i don't think it quite no, anyway. no no no, well, no, let's, no let's talk about it later. I'll, 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 I'll get that later okay so basically they end up overthrowing the kingdom of arte um toyo has a fight with some dude who can like send ghosts in he throws soup. yeah he throws soup in his face uh there is a character sorry oh i was just gonna say so like the reason that fight is significant much more so to hijikata is that um sort of the so toyoshida is it toyoshita yeah no no toyohisa i always want to say toyoshida Mm -hmm. toyohisa uh like i said he died in, in the battle of sekigahara so he was fighting um in uh the conflict that Oda Nobunaga basically started but died in the middle of, and one of his retainers, Tokugawa, kind of finished uh, when his side won. And I believe Toyohisa's side lost, if I'm not mistaken. But like, and Tokugawa set up uh, the shogunate, which sort of was the, the kind of uh, ruling governmental structure in Japan until like the mid 19th century and the first clans uh that began to rebel against um the shogunate were located in satsuma and i believe the shimazu clan which um toyohisa is part of was one of those and so you have this person like and toyohisa mentions this in the show like oh did my descendants do something to you like well, yeah, they rebelled and were part of what toppled the the shogunate, which uh, had lasted for centuries at that point. So, and and Hijikata was part of the shogunate's like police force, the Shinsengumi, which you know Baroni Kenshin uh, did a lot to kind of popularize uh, in anime fandom over here. And so he's part of that unit. Uh, so yeah, so sort of battle with a lot of historical implications. And I think that's like where the appeal lies in a lot of the show is like knowing kind of history uh, to get both like kind of like, oh, isn't that cool? Or isn't that hilarious? Like they make some sort of historical jokes that, you know, and I'm, I don't claim to be like some big history buff or whatever, but just from what I know, there were a few things I'm like, oh, that's funny. That's clever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, the show ends with uh, the Kingdom of Arte being overthrown. Um, 
the Black King shows up to mix up mix it up with the Drifters very briefly, but then tells them also like tells uh, Misu whatever his name is to uh, retreat. Uh, I don't quite get why the Black King would be fighting against the Drifters, given they have the same goal of like, hey, yeah, let's not all be massive racists, but that's something I suppose the later season will solve, and also it's just because ends versus Drifters, whatever. But yeah, that's really about it. Uh, that might have sounded like a very thin and very eh, recise of the plot, but my honest thought on it is that for 12 episodes, it feels like so much of it just kind of passes over very quickly i feels like it really bit. does just end i mean it just like the the last battle between nihijikata and toyohisa ends and it's just over like very much like oh well we'll definitely get more of this and we still haven't yeah <laughs> but, in, in, uh, it in, seems like uh he needs to write uh uh faster does uh koza hirano Besser as well but anyway um I mean, imagine if you, like, ended a season of an anime in the same way that you end the first of a two-parter from the 1960s Batman yeah. series, Bad and West. Will Obunobunaga finally make the perfect musket? Will Hannibal ever remember what it's like not to be a senile old fuck? Tune in next time for Drifters! <laughs> na 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 Drifters! <laughs> That's basically what it felt like. So, yeah, that's, that's the summary of the show, and I'll, I'll be getting some more of my thoughts on it uh, soon enough. Um, I yeah, I don't have much else to add, really. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's the, like there is some sequel bait at the end, I suppose, like with the aircraft carrier guy. Uh, he pops up. There's also uh, two pirate captains who I'm sure are meant to be like significant characters. They probably are in like the next chapters of the anime, but I'm just like, I don't know, and I don't care because <laughs> the show's over. Yeah. Um, I guess one thing we can mention, um, even though we've summarized a lot of the show, I mean, I don't think we've, you know, totally given away the game. Oh, I forgot but to if, mention boobs, by the way. Oh, right. Um, the mage girl. Oh, Dizzy from Guilty Gear. Yeah. Hey, there you go. No, she literally um, does. Look, she Her character's design is literally Dizzy from Guilty Gear. Olminu. Yes. Uh, or as uh, Oda keeps calling her, Boobinu. Mm hmm. Which is hilarious. <laughs> laughing. Uh, at Still least the sh- at so least, hard about it. I will create the show this. At least it's up front in the opening for the two reasons as to why she exists in the show. Oh, there's. Yes. I'll, I mean, yeah, I mean that's look, the case. I, I know I've complained in the past about fan service and all sorts of things that probably made people rather annoyed at me. But I will always credit a show where at least it will be honest with itself and its audience. Like, this is the reason this character exists. We know it. You know it. And we're not going to be, like, ashamed of it, really. So I'll mention that, right. you know, the reason that, like, she's in there is because of her tits. And then I will leave it at that. So this is actually a nice segue into what I was going to say. <laughs> and that, that, like, I... Before we um, end the spoiler-free section for people that want to, you know, listen to the spoiler-free stuff and then watch the show and then come back or whatever, um, th- I think there are some caveats uh, to talk about before we say, like, you know, or I guess you wouldn't say this, before I say, like, go have fun and enjoy yourself. Because I do think it's a super enjoyable show, 
and a really a light watch almost and just a ton of fun but i think you know there are there's some things that could bother people the gay and i can't blame you <laughs> excuse me I, I couldn't blame you if it was the, if it was the thing that you were bothered by so why don't you elaborate on what you just said the gay panic Okay, uh, two specific things. Uh, there is Gilles de Ré, uh the French aristocrat. Do you mean uh, Count Saint Germain? Whichever one. I, I, I keep getting them mixed yeah. up. Saint Germain is like the one, the sort of one who's very effeminate and made up and has the two assistants. Yeah, th- those two. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of humor about them being queer and strange and like all that sort of stuff. It's it's gay panic. That's what it is. Uh, and then there's also a scene later on in which um, I think it's th- their army or their men show up and they're all like half naked, ultra buff. And Nobunaga's like, I didn't realize right. they were like this. Thieves uh, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and look, that's, you- that's where it got it. It sort of, I think, went over uh, like, OK, this is a thing now, huh? Show. Mm hmm. <laughs> was before before that episode really the only thing that you kind of had in that vein was Toyohisa would sometimes be like are you a dude or are you a lady I don't know there's a lot of people like that and that didn't really sort of bother me um, I didn't think it would bother too many people uh, that, that seemed rather innocuous um and you had St. Germain kind of doing his thing. And yeah, he and his assistants were a little camp. Um, a little. But, uh, well, there, you know, there's camp there, but it's like, that's that's something that I'm not going to get offended on behalf of other people for that. What I know mm. that other people like, you know, uh, enjoy that or identify with that or think that that's yeah that's, that's fine you know what i mean like it's it's um it's not a by its very nature so, something offensive at least and at least i didn't think so but if i'm i'm more than willing to be to be corrected on on that score yeah but like what you said like when it when it's um later on it really seemed to in a single episode lean into that and Oda in particular was very much like uh, talking about those people and them and uh, kind of characterizing them, uh, their kind of people, big air quotes, uh, in, in some disparaging ways. And so I was like, not, I sort of was not expecting the show to like take that next step because it seemed like, okay, you know, a centuries old character has some outdated views. Like that's, not the kind of humor I would write, but it doesn't seem strictly uh, out of bounds or something that's like super offensive. Um, but then it really did kind of push that button much harder in a way that I was not, I was sad about. Yeah, I have two things to say to that. The first of which is I'm going to reiterate a long-standing thing I've said every time we've discussed uh, queerphobic or transphobic humor. Um, I think it's fair to say, like, it didn't bother me personally as a cishet dude. Um, But the thing that does bother me is that it's also just incredibly lazy. I've said this many times before, and I'll repeat it again. Like, queerphobic or transphobic humor is lazy. It is pathetic. It is weak effort. 
and I don't care who you are, how much you're getting paid, whoever you may be, like, come up with a better joke. Stop doing the same shit over and over again that's been done for decades, if not centuries. Um, It's, you know, it's just such low effort nonsense, regardless of its offensiveness. This, I mean, there was a recently a clip floating around on Twitter of, like, you can absolutely do jokes about, you know, queer people or trans people, but you need to come up with new material that, one, isn't offensive, and two, actually requires some thought. And this doesn't, this is humour that doesn't require any thought. It's lazy, and it's shit. The second thing I will mention is, you mentioned, like, how, oh, I could see, like, someone of Nobunaga's age, or, like, well, not his age, but rather from that time period being this way. Historical, like, authenticity shouldn't be a factor. Unless you're literally writing a deadly serious story in which, you know, he's being queerphobic or transphobic, and that's part of the plot, um, you know, and is viewed appropriately, in the, you know, like if it's like basically a documentary, uh, then you're, you're writing a work of fiction otherwise, so ultimately it doesn't matter. I mean, you're also writing a work of fiction in which Oda Nobunaga and his fellows were revived after death in an alternate world to fight in a world war against Jesus Christ. Pretensions of this being historically or, uh, accurate or authentic are nonsensical and they don't matter. So anyone who wants to defend the show's like humor saying like he would probably act that way, I'm like, it doesn't matter. That's that's not an excuse. It's not a defense. It's just lazy, lazy humor. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Uh, I think, I mean, especially the stuff that happens in the penultimate episode. Um, like I was saying, I, I think there are some early, there's earlier stuff where, you know, Toyohisa is confused about what gender uh, people who he's talking to are. And for for whatever reason, that's very important to him, probably because he's very used to it. Like I could see again, I would not write humor this way, but I can I can see the draw of someone saying like, you know, let's like put these two like cultural views together and, you know, kind of laugh at the differences. Um, like it's not something I mind. Uh, again, it's really, it, it, and I'm I'm talking about like stuff he said to Jean and stuff Toyohisa said uh, yeah, to Saint Germain as well. But yeah, when Oda leans into it, and that's where I felt kind of weird about it. And also, I mean, you we talked about Ol- Ominu, like uh, this show is like you know walks in the tradition of. Stuff like, you know, I guess Helsing is another example that the author wrote and like Baki and um, I guess Fist of the North Star to some degree, like a lot of uh, shows that like there used to be, I don't know if people use this word anymore, uh, Gar, G-A-R used to be a word that people used to use to describe super duper manly media. Um, and drifters i think is playing in that space and unfortunately like uh, a lot of anime that people classify as gar 
is not very kind to its female characters. And there are, there are no ladies in the show that like, I don't know the, the, the two ends, um, Jean Dauk and, uh, the, the Russian lady who's only in a couple scenes who I can't remember. Romanovna. I completely forgot about her. I'm like, they just seem like they're like, you know, they're there and they're not totally there, I guess as sex objects, but like they are super duper tragically flawed and clearly going to die early deaths. Uh, and then the rest of the ladies in the show are just there to be <laughs> ogled. And I wouldn't say that applies to, to Jean d'Arc, but I mean, God, I, she's I, just super duper tragically flawed and she's going to die early. And yeah. like, you know, I just don't, uh, she just doesn't, I don't know. It's historically accurate for, you know, uh, well, let me walk that back. <laughs> her backstory, <laughs> her backstory, what seat was a more or less accurate ref- reflection of, of what we know or what we're told. But like, I guess it was an interesting kind of next step for that character as a, his, in historical fiction. But I don't know. It just sort of, uh, it didn't strike me as any, none of the characters are super deep or get a lot of development per se in the show, man or woman. But mm-hmm. I don't know. None of the female characters uh, really sort of rose above like, you know, tragic minion level to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, for Jean d'Arc in this particular show, this iteration of her, I mean, I'm not even going to be like critical of what I'm about to bring up here. But it's not another revision of the same old shit we've seen in Fate or the like, where it's, hey, she's got long hair and big boobs, don't you like? Uh, and sure. that's not that's not even me being critical of that. I mean, like I said, with you know how I felt about Olmiru and just that, hey, the show's honest. Like, let's be honest about what people like about characters like Jean Dark in Fate Grand Order or whatever in Gacha games, because they've got nice art. You know, right. I'm not. I'm not yes. going to be. I'm not going to begrudge that. So I'll credit the show at least for not falling down that old pit, uh, old you know, uh, cliche. But she, she really was just there to be an opponent, and that's kind of it. Could have replaced her with anyone else from fiction. You felt you're so inclined. I yeah. would say. Well, it's. It just seemed like there was some of that stuff that we were talking about earlier, where sort of her her kind of tragic death both in her first life and her her super deep flaws in the drifters world are somehow like tied to inextricably the fact that like she i wouldn't necessarily say she's androgynous but like you know there were people uh like toyohisa wasn't the only one to ask that question like when she was being put to death you know uh, in the anime, anyway, the onlockers were like, "You, what kind of genitals you got? Like, what you got under there? Are you a man? Are you a lady witch? You know what I mean?" Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, again, it just seems like, well, we've been here before. Uh, this is a a tropity dope. Yep. Um, for, that for, we've seen a lot for a show about a world war in a brand new world. So much of it feels very gross, unfortunately. <laughs> right. Right. And, and it's a total like, uh, kind of agreement with what you're saying earlier about like, um, you know, revising 
attitudes uh, and perspectives in these characters given new life. I mean, they seem to be a lot more progressive on race uh, and fantasy races anyway, uh, which is like another can of worms. I don't even know if we want to get into, but people have problems understandably with like fantasy races and traits and like them being segregated and cordoned off. All that is there. Um, we mentioned you. You mentioned the a panic. I mentioned misogyny. I think the, the the big thing for me, or at least the most uh, important one of these caveats to mention, is what the show, uh, what the characters, I guess, have to say about Hitler and how Hitler figures into the story. <laughs> oh um, God, I forgot about him. Because like, yeah, it's a goo. This is a goofy story, and it's meant to be just like you know an author having fun with a playset. Um, but there's the show has weird things to just some of the characters say things about Hitler that are just strike me as so odd. And like, there's just not that much context given. It's weird. So like the evil empire you were talking about in the summary Orte, um, was founded by Hitler, who is a drifter. No idea why he got pulled into this uh, to this fantasy world, but hey, he did. He founded Orte. Some of the characters refer to him as father, uh, which could definitely see, you know, if you found that troubling, because um, he founded <laughs> that empire. Um, and at least one of the characters, I think Abe no Seme, um, the leader of the Octoberists, the head mage man. I think he's like, or maybe it's St. Germain or maybe both of them. I can't remember, but one or both of them is like, yeah, good old Hitler. You know, he came here and like, really like, you know, fix this place up. Like the trains were running on time hmm. and cl stuff was clean. And like, you know, the infrastructure was good. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And oh, you, oh, you mean the Hitler's things? not in the anime as a character. His portrait is around in a couple places. Mm -hmm. And Oda also is, at one point, I think Oda's like, oh, fuck this guy, who cares? So I wouldn't say that there's necessarily apologia of him, but there is a sort of, like, I don't know, like, the way he sort of, mentioned is uh or entreated uh by the characters um i totally understand if it's off-putting it's very devoid of um sort of the historical context of like you know the things that he's chiefly responsible for and remembered for in history yep. rightfully i think so mm -hmm. like it's strange it's very very odd yeah, I will at least credit the characters for recognizing that what's happening to the elves and dwarves is bad and should be stopped. Even though it also doesn't come across as the most convincing thing from any of them, it just feels like the stuff they want to do rather than because it's the morally or ethically right thing to do. Um, I think that's actually a really good observation. I think yeah, the drifters yeah. are, are not these like good guys. It's sort of like they want to conquer and they have a love of at least the three Japanese main character, you know, warriors. Um, they have a love of conquest and battle. And so like, how can the show 
acts on that and gives them that to do while, um, but also make them the good guy and not yeah. like, you know, evil warmongers that only want bloodshed. They're freeing the elves and the dwarves, not so that they can live in peace, but that, so they can go to war. Yep. That's the thing to know. And the other thing I'll bring up is what you're saying there about Hitler and like all the good stuff he did. Uh, let's be clear here. Um, and this is funny enough going to tie into my point about propaganda later, um, of which I am of the opinion Drifters is a little guilty of. Um, a lot of the modern understanding of Nazi Germany and it being like this all-encompassing juggernaut is complete bollocks. It's a fiction that the Nazis themselves created and cultivated through films like Triumph of the Will. Um, so this thing that whatever his name is is stating as fact, like even if we take it diegetically that that happened uh, in the show, it wasn't true in reality. So yeah, I don't, they're just I don't, talking about Orte, not Germany. But I don't buy it because, as I say, the actual Nazi regime uh, was run shittily and terribly. <laughs> uh, so no, I don't buy that for a second, and that's why it smacks like it smacks wrongly to me because it's not even like accurate to the person he was like when i think of hitler in terms of works of fiction i think of what i saw in wolfenstein the new colossus where he was just on yes. venus pissing and shitting himself and being like and just being this pathetic yes. creature that he is because that's what he was let's be clear here um, that was a great portrayal i really enjoyed that yeah very disappointed i didn't get to shoot myself though you well you can but you it's a failure state because you die when all the other guards come and get you but then again, maybe I suppose with the benefit of hindsight, killing Hitler there and then, like, I could probably have been happy with the game ending. But whatever. Anyway, <laughs> we're not here to talk about Wolfenstein the New Colossus. Uh, although, funnily enough, Wolfenstein the New Colossus would have served as a wonderful template for why Wish Drifters had been. So, <laughs> it's funny. Everything ties together. Uh, anyway, let's carry on. Yeah, I mean, those are the big, like, caveats that you know, just want to give fair warning. Some of that might have been a little spoilery, uh, but probably no more so than than the summary that we've already given. Um, yeah, so like, to, let's close off the the non spoiler section, and we can. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess we've we've already kind of given given our overall thoughts and recommendations. I guess I would say like if you if you enjoy a lot of the anime I mentioned before. Um, you know, gar hyperviolenty stuff, and also are a person that enjoys uh, the concept of fate more than the way it is executed. Oftentimes, which I think is where I fall on fate. Despite I, I did enjoy the visual novel, but I think the the idea, the notion of fate, rather than the the thing that exists in, in the real world uh, is something that really appeals to me. And so the fact that it's just kind of taken uh, very nearly whole cloth uh, and kind of remixed a little bit and put in here uh, does it for me in a big way. So if you like those two things, uh, I would say that this is, this will be like a fun way to spend your time of uh, inconsequential not a lot of, you know, deep meaning uh, or anything like that. But like, I, it's, to me, just hilarious and, and fun, largely. Mm -hmm. 
If you want my non-spoiler summary, I found this show to be dull, boring, tension-free, derivative. Um, you brought up Fate. Uh, I honestly can wholeheartedly recommend any of the uh, animated Fate shows from the 2010s onwards. So Fate Zero, or let me say Blade Works, even the, the movies. Um, I, I Even the Grand Order movie that I watched, the very first one, that was better than this. Um, the Netflix TV show was it Fate Apocrypha? I have never seen that, so I can't. That was good. That was really good. I enjoyed I that a lot. I can't comment. A Stalfo um, baby. <laughs> everyone loves a Stalfo. Um, but I, I will say, like I like you, like you and Fate. Funnily enough, I'm enamored with what I wish Drifters had done. Um, we're going to get into it in more detail later, but you and I have mentioned many times about the idea of this show being batshit, batshit crazy. And that's not an inaccurate label, but to me, it's batshit crazy in all the wrong ways. Mm. Um, I'll explain that later, but suffice to say, if you have seen, uh, its analogs in any of the, like, modern fake shows or films, um, I wouldn't bother watching this, to be quite honest, um yeah i i just i can't bring myself to recommend it but conversely while we have mentioned that there is some questionable shit in this show it is not even close to being the worst thing i've ever seen either it feels oh my very, God, no. it feels very <laughs> middling i would describe it as um i mean no one episode of this for example is worse than the end episode of special episode of wonder egg that we covered earlier in the year that that's definitely true. None of them are close to that. And I'm talking. All right, about... I have a game. Can oh. I play a game? Let's play a game. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Thank you I don't... for that. I, I it had to be done. Like, if we're going to introduce a new game segment on our podcast, we need to have some sort of like jingle to go with it, and a smoke machine. Uh, but admittedly, I, I think that might be lost on the uh, podcast audience for obvious reasons. Um. Is this show better or worse for Shadon than Guilty Crown? Oh, you, I like how you phrase this because it makes me think of like uh, the Price is Right, higher or lower than mm-hmm. a, higher mm-hmm. or lower than ten. <laughs> um, no, it's better than Guilty Crown. Okay, for two reasons. Show... For two, I'll give okay, two okay, quick you reasons. want to elaborate? All right, two quick, two quick reasons. One is shorter. Uh, that's always a big factor. Uh, and two, God, Guilty uh, Crown is twenty four episodes, uh, isn't it? Yes. Uh, oh, and the fucking Lost Christmas. <laughs> yeah, Lost Jesus. Christmas. I gave you my void. <laughs> and secondly, um, the protagonist, while I didn't care for them, was also not actively insufferable. So congratulations for Drifters. You're better than Guilty Crown. Congratulations for clearing one of the lowest of bars. Okay. Uh, Drifters, better or worse than... Um, Oh my god, I've forgotten. I always forget the name of the show. It's probably for the best that you've forgotten it. Oh, that we covered mentioned. we covered it in the mid-COVID. Um, it was Mid- about... It was the Erica Seven person uh, doing another one. The, the, oh, the blue-haired girl and it's, the... It's swirling my brain. Man. <laughs> it's swirling my brain. Um, oh, like man. a really bad memory, but I can't quite recall it offhand. And it had David Bowie, and you, like, hated the David Bowie character? Uh, this is really, really lost on me. I'm, uh, I'm 
uh, is this something I'm that's going to make me wake up in a cold sweat, yelling it at the top of my voice? Probably, probably. Oh, God help me. All right, so I'm going to look up. Um... <laughs> Don't go look up David Bowie. You'll find some good stuff there. No, not David Bowie. Um, <laughs> I think the script writer. Was, no, no, it's not this person. Oh, I said Daisuke. It's Dai. Dai Sato. I said Daisuke Sato. So Daisuke Sato, um, uh, listeners. Oh, that listeners was, is what oh, it was called. Oh, gosh. Uh, I, the listeners wasn't even bad. It was just the most milquetoast shit ever. Um, so is Drifters better or worse than listeners? Better because it'll be more memorable. I mean, Bingo. Lis lis listeners, I mean, to be quite blunt, uh, are so utterly forgettable we literally had to pause the podcast to find it. <laughs> but if you ever say, if you ever say, hey Shads, what was the anime that featured Jesus Christ like leading a bunch of pigmen somewhere? I'm never going to forget that, even if I ultimately never. didn't like the show. So yeah, by, <laughs> by, by virtue of that alone, Drifters is the superior show. Better or worse for Shadon than Akka 13? Okay, let's be clear here. I was very unfair to Aka 13. Um, I'm going to say worse, because in all honesty, I think with the benefit of hindsight, I was overly critical of it for no really good reason. I was just being petty. Uh, and on top of that, I well, I listened to uh, Anime is Lit's podcast on that, um, which mm -hmm. is really fucking good, by the way. And it let me see a whole other side of that show that I just didn't appreciate at the time. Uh, so to be quite honest, uh, I was being very unfair to it, and therefore... But that being said, even if I hadn't changed my opinion on it over time and still had the same view that I held uh, then, now, the one that you're probably thinking of, where at the time I said it was like a sleep aid because I found it very boring, uh, I'm mm -hmm. still going to say it's better. Uh, partly because it's better looking than Drifters, because Drifters at times is flat out ugly. It really, it, it is. That's some, it is, You can't really defend it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I posted a tweet where I compared one shot of uh, Toyo uh, to the picture of Jesus <laughs> that was repaired by the cleaner lady, because it looks exactly similar, like, drawn to me. That's how butt ugly yeah. it shows. And also the color grading on it is shockingly bad. Some of it is way too dark in places. Yeah. It, it's not a good looking show. And also, just generally speaking, like, Acura is also just more pleasant. So, yeah. Uh, even if I was using my original, like, overly negative, overly critical, judgmental, arsehole opinion of it, uh, it would still be best than Drifters. Okay. Um, you're a traitor. Let's get that out of the way. Uh, better or worse than, for Shadon, Crystal Triangle? Uh, worse, because Tris Crystal Triangle was deeply amusing. Um, yeah, Crystal I, I mean, Triangle rules. I think Crystal, Crystal Triangle is better than that. Chris, Crystal Triangle features the only anime guest appearance of Gabe Newell. So how can it be bad? <laughs> the, the, the man was who that, that show. Yeah, that was that show. Yeah. Uh, Holy crap. Yep. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Um, I can. I'll. I'll throw one your way. Better or worse than Kabuki Show Sherlock? Better. Without yeah. question. That that is that is not a difficult one. I mean that's the thing though, like Drifters, as I say, is a middling show. It is, to me, uh a, a promise not kept, potential not realized, uh, and most Ooh. of it Oh. I have a, a a controversial one. Do you have a zinger this of a is, one? <laughs> this on. is incendiary right here. Go go Whoa, on. This go is gonna on. make people mad. <laughs> Throw that Molotov oh. cocktail out there, my man. Do it. Better or worse. 
than Death Parade. Worse. Better. <laughs> I've said it. It's better than Death Parade. <laughs> I enjoy it way more. Way more. And I like Death Parade well enough. You know what's actually kind of funny now that I think about it, though? Aren't they conceptually very similar shows based on their overarching, like, plot like plot lines? You die and you get uh, sent to an office somewhere or a bar? <laughs> <laughs> and you have to compete? And you have to, like, you, you participate in some kind of competition combat yeah. against someone? Man, can, can uh, sure. we have a, can, do a do a crossover? Just have Odin Obanaga turn up at the at the at the fucking death parade bar and play a game with some random like eighty year old girl who died tragically from a bicycle accident, where he's just playing bowling with her or something. Actually, no, he's too gropy. That's why I can't find that idea fun. Fuck you, drifters. Ugh, anyway, never mind. But yeah, I would say best than death parade. But I'll respect your opinion by saying it is worse. People are going to be so mad at that opinion. Hey, you, I'm not. I'm not worried. They're going to be mad at you, not me. I know. I know. I'm just, I'm just going to be here, like you know, with all of those like reflective mirrors, sunning myself, just enjoying it while you're getting like hounded to the ends of the earth. What's that, Doc? You in trouble? Ah, oh, sorry, too busy, mate. Just working on me tan. <laughs> Being attacked by people are coming through my mentions to pitchfork me. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's take a really quick break and then we can get on with spoilerific business. Indeed, we also have Discord questions to cover as well, so we'll be tackling those in due course. Uh, Don't adjust your internet browsers, MP3 players, radios, or whatever strange device you're listening to. Like, if you're getting this on the Oculus, you know, just, just take it off for five minutes, go grab yourself a drink, we'll be right back. And we're back. Thank you very much for not adjusting your radios, uh, VR headsets, or whatever future device is streaming stuff directly to your brain while you're living in the off-world colonies of Mars. This is Warrior Show covering Drifters. Let's crack on. So we've done all of our various summaries, analyses, and talks about like you know creators, spoiler-free stuff, uh, the content warnings, the problematic elements that we might to you know, including of course Hitler, because there's never a time Hitler's not problematic in some form or another. I mean, he's Hitler. The fuck did you expect? Um, so we're firstly going to go into Discord questions from our lovely Discord members. Um, <clears throat> we have two this week, and they come from uh, Pirate Prince Rackham. Um, the first of which goes like this. There are quite a few drifters introduced that we barely get time to know more about as the show tends to stick with the main three. Which of these sparingly used drifters would you most like to have seen use more in the series? I'll let you answer that one first, Doc. Okay. I am gonna say... I'm tempted to say Jean d'Arc. I really, you know, for all the conceptual criticism of the character type, I I do enjoy when she's on screen, getting mad at people, and incinerating villages. But I think my answer, I'm gonna have to go with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause they're like in it just enough for me to be like, oh, these guys could really be interesting and fun, especially Butch Cassidy, uh, the non mustachioed one, the one that looks like <laughs> the one that's like, looks more like a traditional anime character, <laughs> looks like a get a robo pilot, uh, instead <laughs> of a cowboy. Uh, but yeah, I, I would love to see more of them mix it up, be wild and crazy. Although, 
I mean, maybe that will be an overload because Toyohisa is uh, pretty nuts uh, on his own, but you can never have you can never have enough of that hot-blooded uh, protagonist type for me. So, yeah, get Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, give them some more guns, and let them run wild. The wild bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, my only answer is none of them because as cool as it was to see those two turn up for like a minute or however long they're in the show. This, I think, ties into a wider problem I have, and I didn't find any of the action really all that engaging or compelling, so it's not so much that I'd want to see them come back, or any, or let's even say drifters appear like historical characters who aren't even in the show at the moment, but I would like to see later. Because it's all going to end up with the same problem in my mind, which is I didn't but I didn't find the action all that interesting. I mean, Toyo, whatever his name is, like, he takes a bunch of heads like it's Highlander, but... <laughs> so? <laughs> so what? I just I just didn't care. Um, I, I however, because I can't really give that as nice, I'm going to go with yours as well, just say, like, hey, they had a Gatling gun, and, and I'm always down for the minigun in whatever flavor it turns up in, so, yes... Uh, more Gatling gun, please. That's the drifter I want to see return. Not necessarily the person operating it. <laughs> Just the gun. <laughs> Just put the gun back in there. Why not? I mean, there are some good ones here. I mean, we didn't... Surely, you know, Scipio <laughs> Africanus would be around more to do more fighting with Hannibal and more scheming. Um, uh, Romanovna, I believe is her name we mentioned before. She's intriguing. Uh, but we barely get to see any of her. So, like, I th- there's barely enough there for me to even want to see more because I don't even know what she is. You know, that's why yeah. I went with the Wild Bunch. Oh, you know what we do need? We need more Rasputin, but we need him to be... Because it's sure. fucking Rasputin. The name sure. alone is the most evil shit, but he needs to be, like, more Grima Wormtongue evil. Like, I want him whispering mm. in Jesus's ear, like, maybe you should kill them all. <laughs> like, then he... Okay, again, admittedly, I'm making shit up now that doesn't actually exist in the show proper, but I mean, that would that would be neat, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just because Rasputin is like, in, even in like historic history, like, you know, people seem to always associate him with being like the slimiest motherfucker. So lean into that. You know, he's just going to be there tapping Black King and like, you know, I really don't think you should give them the loaves and fishes, my sire. <laughs> that water, yeah. don't turn that into wine. Because, I mean, there's there's like a point in the show where the Black King, like, like something, a piece of his body falls off or something like that. And a soldier sees it and telepathically he's like, don't tell anyone about this. So you feel like there is a scenario where Rasputin could sort of make a move to seize power. Oh, uh, you, you know, you manipulate he- the Black King. <laughs> You know, does need to turn up in this in this series though, just for just to die very quickly. Um, when the Black King realizes who he is, and then you get this guy's reaction of, "Oh, I'm I'm so fucked." I am, of course, referring to Longinus, the the Roman soldier who stabbed Jesus in the side while he was on the cross. And he's just like he just turns up. He's got no idea what's going on. And then the Black King Jesus just goes uh... over and says, "I know you." <laughs> There's <laughs> none of uh, neither Easy nor Murasaki would pick Longinus. I'm fairly confident. Uh, 
I did pick Mitsuhide, but Mitsuhide is no, I mean, Mitsuhide overthrew Nobunaga, so got something going on. Mm-hmm. All right, what's, uh, what's the next question? Uh, the next question is one I actually can't answer because it relates to Helsing, and I've not seen Helsing. Um, unless you want my joke answer to refer instead to Castlevania, but I don't think that'll work. Uh, it goes like this. Since he was created by the same author, do you think Alucard would be a drifter or an end? Arucado. Uh I'm gonna say drifter. Come on. Come yeah, on. I'd say so too. From what little Come I know on. of Drifter. All. What do you What do you think about uh, Alucard from the the Castlevania anime on Netflix? In general, I'll just I'll just been being a drifter. Oh, no. <laughs> what What's your general thoughts on him as a character? What do you think of his? Do you find his voice acting as sleepy as I do? No. Uh, what do you What do you think of his um his uh you know? Do you think he'd be a drifter or an end? I think it depends on which season you're looking at. To be honest, mm-hmm. exactly what I would say. I feel like we're talking season three end. Definitely. Although I, I suppose course, yeah. season three almost ended me. So. Oh, I, you, hey. know what, you know, side tangent, you know how you said, like, we're going to have all these disagreements. I actually quite like season three, but yes, I mean, anyway, that's a discussion for a different day. Um, <laughs> uh, I need to watch yeah. Helsing at some point just for the historical context more than anything else. And also because I have the honest feeling it's probably a lot. I would probably enjoy it a lot more than I've enjoyed Drifters. Like just talking strictly about myself here and my own subjective view of things. Like, I think I would. You like would. It more. You would. I mean, it's. I think that you would enjoy, uh, the production more because it's uh an OAV. It 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 just looks a lot better than Drifters ended up looking. <laughs> yeah, that, that aspect also helps. alone, I think you would enjoy it. That definitely also helps. Right. Uh, that takes us to the end of our questions for Drifters. Thank you very Thank much, Mister Rackham, for popping Thank two you. in the uh in the box there. And now we're going to move on to the full-throated, full-fat, full-alcohol, uh, you know, by volume, um, spoilerific discussion. Uh, I'm not sure how one could talk about the spoilers all much, because we've already given away the big reveal that isn't even really, I suppose, brought up in the show of the Black King being Jesus Christ. Um, but there are some things that we can definitely talk about that have relates to the events. Do you want to go first, or shall I? Oh, um, I don't know. No, I mean, why well, okay. don't I, you I, go first? I, I will seize the opportunity. And here's the thing, right? I didn't care for this show, but that doesn't mean there weren't things I didn't like in it. And I'm going to mention two specific things. The only two specific things that immediately come to mind. Actually, no, I'll, I'll say three. So first off, let's talk about a very specific moment. I think at the end of episode three, they've got the elves working for them. And at the end of the episode, our main trio decide to pose for them as it moves towards the credits. <laughs> and it's the dumbest fucking thing ever. It's like it's like it's like a JoJo pose. Yes. But completely unearned for the like show itself, because JoJo's posing is like a part of the style of that show. Um but it still got a really strong chuckle out of me. And I think it was intentionally meant to be a jokey moment where they all struck a pose, like, to show how awesome they are. And the elves are just fucking confused. Like, what are they doing? Why are they doing this? I'm like, ain't that a question, buddy? I don't have a fucking clue. But, uh, yeah, I like, I genuinely like that moment. Um, isn't that the, 
and that's sort of a, a historical joke in some ways, right? Because isn't that the the they refer to the pose later if we're talking about the same one where they're like, "Well, Toyohisa, uh, you're the leader." And he's like, "What are you talking about?" And they're like, "You sat in the middle <laughs> when we all posed. You were in the middle." Sounds more and like so a you took like the leadership. <laughs> you took the leadership seat, and so he's he's officially the leader because I mean, he took the the middle that, seat in the pose. That's funny in its own right. To be fair, just because it does sound like it sounds like a comedy joke from something like Red Dwarf or something. Yes, exactly. Totally. <laughs> so, I, so I'm I'm okay with that. The other thing I'm going to mention that I liked. Um, I know that we said like about Alminu and like the fact that she's basically there for two reasons and two reasons alone. Um. But I want to bring up something about one of her contributions to the show, which is that she has a magic spell in a Japanese paper charm uh, that summons pillars of stone from the earth. Now, I'm going to expand on this later when I talk about the problems I have with this show as propaganda. Um, but one of the things I like is that the characters, particularly Toyo, like use these charms in interesting and creative ways to accomplish certain goals. One of which is there's a bunch of soldiers with like super heavy armor on them coming towards Toyo and his bunch of elves. And they're not going to be able to break that armor with their bows and such. So what he does, he has Alminu like uh, land the um, charms in a circle around them to encircle them. And at that point, they just throw a bunch of explosives in that uh, enclosed space where those soldiers are and they all get decimated. And it's established early on that Alminu uses that... um, that spell for defense only so it's just basically mm-hmm. to summon it as like a, a barrier for cover there's another scene when uh, Toyo is fighting Jean d'Arc where she makes a bar- one of these barriers rise from the ground to protect them but then she puts one on the back of the barrier she has summoned and uses that to create a horizontal um, wall of stone that propels him forward so we can get close to Jean d'Arc without being burned alive by her flames Um and there's another one where they use it to create a set of stairs up the side of one of the castle walls. That is really fucking cool. I like that a lot. And I like it for two reasons. One, it's that kind of thing I've said before where it's a power that has a lot of creative uses. It's like, I mentioned JoJo's. And so I'll bring up again. It reminds me of like how, you know, in not necessarily the same way, but with the same idea that Crazy Diamond can use its abilities to fix things. And then, of course, it's how Josuke uses it in creative ways that allows him to win the day. That's what makes those fights fun, because you get to see really cool things happening, which also have like a logical consistency to them, and where powers have flexibility and creativity behind them. And that, by extension, makes Toyo and Obunaga and all the others look cool. Because you get to see how they are applying their intel- their intelligence and their creativity to something they're otherwise unfamiliar with, but grasp the concepts of quickly. So, really nice little bit of action thing. Like, I didn't care for the action, generally speaking, but I like that because it was innov- innovative and creative. Um, fairly established rule of what it does. We use in creative ways. So, good shit. That I likes. Uh, but I want you to put a pin in the thing I said about making the characters look awesome and cool when I get to the propaganda bit. Just just keep that in mind. Okay. All right, um, I'll put a pin in it. And the final thing I'm going to mention is I just actually, I have to confess, I liked Nobunaga's performance throughout much of this because he's just yes. completely over the top. Um, <laughs> so like, evil when, sometimes. When, yeah, when he's, when he's looking evil uh, and like grinning his ass off at what's happening, <laughs> 
and just reveling in the carnage and mayhem. I, like, it's not quite camp, save for the ill-advised comedy inserts, which is something I'm going to talk about separately. Um, but it, there's just something wonderfully malevolent, like he's really enjoying it, and it makes it fun. And so I liked his performance, and that's probably why I remembered his name as opposed to Toyo and whoever the fuck the Archer person was. I don't care about them at all. Um, because I was engaged watching him, like, talk about stuff. Even if, ultimately, I didn't find what, in the end, what he was saying all that compelling. It was his delivery of it, and the way he was animated, that's probably the highlight of the show. Ryuichi was so dreamy. How can you just throw him under the bus like that? Who? The Archer. Who? <laughs> Ryuichi. Who? The Archer. <laughs> the Archer. Oh uh, no, Doc, Doc's skipping. Can someone reset the vinyl player? <laughs> yeah, yeah, hit the TV. Um, I can't decide whether I want to start off in the negative and then veer positive. Um, oh, I think that's what I'll do because I got the feeling that you are going to be mostly negative. What a um, surprise. About the show. So, um, I will, I'll begin by talking about the things that I didn't care for. And so you mentioned, um, that you did not care for the action generally. And, um, I can't, I cannot fault you for that. Uh, because I thought the show, you know, should have been, a lot more kinetic. Um, you know, this is the same director as the first three 26 episode seasons of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember enjoying the action in those shows. Um, so <laughs> you, you, I feel like we, we should have uh, had a right to expect some at least well-directed, decent action here. Uh, and some of it's good and like, there's just not a lot of it, um, mm -hmm. to go around. There's not enough of like, I don't know, fate's servant fights. Mm -hmm. Um, you and mean, I mean, mean, one on ones with, between drifters yeah, where with the historical, exactly, exactly. Not enough of that. Uh, but like, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's intentional because the show, sets itself up as not really having much in the way of stakes for the character, for, for the uh, historical characters' lives. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't really seem like any of them are going to die. So... It's, to me, it feels like they're doing it because they're bored. <laughs> so... So perhaps, you know, having the duels, you know, would have highlighted that, and they maybe wanted to, to hide mm -hmm. that and have them function as sort of if you're looking at this as a strategy game, commanding units, and then have all the the kind of other human grunts, because a lot of people do die, but they're just none of them are the drifters or ends. It's all native humans, elves, dwarves, and what have you uh, to that world. Um, <clears throat> in this war that these these drifters and ends are waging, but yeah, the action the action I thought generally speaking was pretty lacking. Um, I agree. Uh, it, it could have been something more and definitely a missed opportunity with the show. I mean, I think that the show, 
I think the fights, there is something more going on with him, especially in the early episodes, than just the bare sword fighting that, that I think the show does well. And I'll talk about that later. But but yeah, like the moment-to-moment combat, you know, 1v1 um, is, is really a letdown here, I yeah. think. I'm going to expand on that, and I'm going to say that I don't even think this is the fault of the direction of the show, because as you've rightly pointed out, we have a director with a good pedigree behind them prior to Drifter's creation. So what went wrong? I am of the opinion the material, as written, is functionally incapable of delivering good action. That might sound a bit, holy shit, what the fuck, and I will explain. And this is Presumptuous. This is, yes, this is going to tie into my later point. Uh, about propaganda, funnily enough, but oh, I, see, of, I see. I think I see where you're going, but yeah, part of the problem. The part of the problem with this is, I never felt a sense of tension to any of the fights at all. Not the Jean d'Arc versus Toyo one. Not the Toyo versus whatever Ghostface, whatever Ijikata. Ijikata's name is not. Not even with the Archer and uh, I again don't remember the names, but I don't care about the characters. Fuck it, who gives a shit? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that was the one, right? Was Yoichi and Jidere. That was actually Jidere did die. So bad yeah. on me for not remembering that. But and and uh Dere almost seemingly took out Yoichi. So I guess that was the one and only time where it felt like uh something of consequence could happen. But you're totally right. There's like a real lack of jeopardy uh yes. for the the main characters. Yep, whereas in JoJo's, uh, most of the JoJo's fights end with them on the cusp of being annihilated. How, like, how many... Like, I mean, I can I can think of all, like, the Steely Dan fight, uh, you know, uh, the fucking Vanilla Ice fight, for example? Holy shit. Like, two two of our, like, two of the Stardust Crusaders, spoilers for, a, for an old show here <laughs> that surely everyone knows about, die! from Vanilla Ice's stand, and Polnareff barely escapes with his life. He's bleeding out everywhere. Um, So, ridiculous and batshit as JoJo's is, and again, I mentioned before, like, that Drifters is batshit as well, just not in a way that is good for the show, in my opinion. Like, there is no such thing here. Like, Toyo just cleaves through all of the soldiers and just with such effortlessness. Like, he's unfucking stoppable which is a sharp contrast to his introduction and what I think a smartly a smarter version of the show would have emphasized that he, at various points that he does get injured quite a lot throughout all of his fights but just shrugs it off anyway um mm. and then you wonder oh what's the point where he's going to finally keel over and die like you know uh, but no he doesn't even get so much as grazed until the very final fight of the show that he has with ghost guy ghost samurai ghost runner whatever his fucking name is um Chikata. And the thing is, you might think I'm, and I'm pointing this out, and I'm going to say that's because the writing, because the writer's incompetent. I actually don't think so. No, Just yeah, I know where you're going. Yeah. Put a pin in this. Uh, uh-huh. There is a very specific reason that Toyo does not ever really struggle, nor any of the others for that matter, save for the arch person against Gilles de Reyes. Uh, but even then, I wouldn't call that a struggle. And moreover, the conclusion to that fight still has its own result where. Totally. You'll you'll see. You'll see. Totally. But yeah, I that is uh, it's why interesting, it's interesting that that uh Toyohisa only not, not only suffers his first defeat, but for his his blood doesn't get drawn 
until he's fighting another Japanese person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep. I think that's this is where you're going. I'm with... I'm I'm putting the breadcrumbs out here. I'm just okay. telling you. <laughs> I'm telling okay. you. But that's why I am of the opinion that it is the writing that is functionally incapable of delivering good action. And this will tell right, the goals g- given yeah. the goals of the show. Um, yeah. It, well, if you know, if uh, action requires that kind of jeopardy for you to be enjoyable, uh, which I mean, I guess, I guess it should do. Um, Not I mean, necessarily. I think, I, I think the scenes is- are fun. So I enjoy them, even though I don't think anyone is going to die. So I don't know if I would say that that's a required element of a good action scene. It isn't. And I can think of one specific example of a live action film, which I always come back to as as the perfect, uh, you know, things to bring up in case I am, of course, referring to Commando of all things, <laughs> because Commando is a film <laughs> where Arnie mows down tons and tons of people in that one extended shootout scene. Uh, in the villa on the island uh, and he's never once hit not once but it's still great and i have to admit like commando like is just camp farce all the way through this I has think... got a, an element of that to it i would say a strong more than an yes element. i, I you... think it's made in that spirit yes but uh, well, one commando is actually funny, even though it's also got some of the worst Aww. one-liners ever. Um, and Put off it, some steam, Bennett. <laughs> the best. D- please, please don't mind my friend. He's dead tired. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great line. Um, but I, I have to. I, like this is where I have to really inter- where I have to really interrogate myself. And I think it is because as I was watching it, like commando's farcical nature is because they wanted to write the cheesiest, most farcical 80s action movie. Whereas I don't think I can attribute the same kind of purity and honesty to the intentions of Drifters because of that element I've been kind of dancing around with the propaganda bit. That, I think, was weighing heavily in my mind when watching Because I'll admit, like there were times when, Toy- when Toyo was like cleaving through dudes and taking their heads, and I was just like, this in other circumstances, I think would would be hilarious. Like, especially if he just started collecting trophies from them or something. <laughs> like, imagine if he just had, like, them all on a washing line, or like that scene from the Team Fortress video about the soldier who's got a bunch of heads on the fence. Yeah. Uh, like, like yeah. I think that, I think that done differently, I would have found those exact same fa- scenes not so much great action, but great farcical comedy, or farcical action, in the same way that Commando is farcical action, rather than the raid as an example but oh, i couldn't gosh. get indeed yeah, but i couldn't get past the fact that like it felt so transparent to me why they were making it so that he was just like you know com- completely honestly unstoppable mm. yeah i mean I'd, that is an interesting that's an interesting argument um a messy where you're coming from I, I guess like just this the sense of goofiness of it all uh overrode <laughs> overrode everything for me you know i don't i don't particularly mind i guess like i'm not like my sensibilities or whatever are not offended by being um i guess nationalistic or propagandistic or jingoistic or whatever rah rah japan like our our 
best fighters of history could mop the floor with these other countries, great fighters one-on-one, or put these three Japanese warriors together and they could conquer the world, you know, like, you know, if, if that's, and you said it's very transparent and I agree, I mean, that's what you're going with. Like, uh, I don't know. It doesn't, um, offend me. Uh, it doesn't like detract from my enjoyment of the story personally. Fair enough. Um, my turn or uh, your turn here? I've got, we've lost track. I'll let you go next. I've got, I've got plenty more to say and I want to, I want to okay. just, I want to keep delaying the propaganda thing as long as possible. Uh, just for my own amusement. Okay. <laughs> um, so like another, so we've mentioned the lack of jeopardy and the lack of kinetic action scenes. My final kind of big negative, uh, of, of this thing, aside from all the, the strange Hitler business that we talked about. Um, <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know if this is a negative cause it's not a negative for me, but like I already alluded to this in, in our spoiler free bit, but this this show is is extremely straightforward. What you know the premise, and once you kind of understand the engine of the show, um, then it just kind of goes in a straight path to where it's going. There is no uh, twist of the plot. Uh, nothing unexpected is going to happen. Uh, there's no real character development. Truly, I would say. Um, everyone is just kind of their historical selves, um, which I'll just say now, I think is something that is a point in this show's favor over and above fate, because oftentimes a fate character from history is just, let's just slap a name on this sexy character mm. design with boobs and it will have nothing really to do with yeah. the historical figure. Whereas you know, in this one, Hannibal is like an old man and like um, the Sundance kid or rather, uh, yeah, Sundance kid is this mustachioed cowboy, middle-aged man. And like Nobunaga is like not a lady, <laughs> which I have nothing wrong with gender, but Nobunaga. But like, um, I think um, by and large, the show uh, definitely in character design in a broad sense and perhaps even in the character personalities is just going for like an approximation of what these folks were in history maybe certain characteristics dialed up maybe some some development you know not development but like you know then sort of logical next step for the character given how they met their end you know, see Jean d'Arc and Jesus, <laughs> like mm-hmm. how, how they would react potentially to, to yeah. what happened, like an alternate version of that. So like, but, but, you know, there's just not any, there's, this is not a show about surprises. Um, if the concept uh, doesn't really do it for you and you're not really impressed with how that concept is deployed and kind of the milieu of it all in the first, I would say four episodes, Cause I think the first four episodes are like the best of the show. Um, if that hasn't really done it for you, then you probably won't enjoy the rest of it. Cause nothing really surprising happens. Just more characters show up, uh, and the drifters kind of continue liberating fantasy characters and, uh, the empire, you know, seeds ground and, and loses. 
and the the ends are bad and uh the drifters are are the good guys and we don't really understand too much about the the proxy war that the two uh you know that that uh easy and uh the other guy are having so mm-hmm. you know if you're if you're looking for something not even deep but like if you if if you want i don't know character development or uh the show to evolve in some way from what it is at the beginning is just not going to do that so definitely wouldn't be for you if you're looking for that mm-hmm. you know i need to make a quick aside here actually because i talked earlier about fate and i thought that i generally like it but i absolutely will not let it off the hook for things that I would complain about in Drifters. So let me be clear here. I like in Fate Zero, for example, the relationship between Velvet and Ryder, a.k.a. Alexander the Great. That's actually a really cool instance of, hey, here's a, here's a historical fi- figure teaching this kid like how to like be proud of themselves and proud of their accomplishments. Like, the scene in yep. which he died, like, again, spoilers for a nearly 10-year-old <laughs> show, but who gives a fuck? Uh... Like, when Ryder is killed by Gilgamesh, uh, and they have, like, that scene at the end, like, it's genuinely touching. It is, funnily enough, not too dissimilar to what happens in the first Bill and Ted movie, except it's not so much comedy as genuine (laughs) character development. And I I love it for that. It's really good. And I will also say, I actually do, like, to to look at, like, let's take Saber, King Arthur, like, you know, the most famous character from Fate. Mm -hmm. I like what they do with her when they bring in like for example like how she if she had the ability to make a wish from the grail she would undo having ever gotten a hold of excalibur and become king of england uh just to go live a normal life like that's great that's wonderful humanization i really like that i'm less enamored with the idea of hey uh shiremi a random 16 year old boy uh you get to fuck the king of england if you say the right things to him <laughs> Uh, and also, and this will tie again into the propaganda element, because I'm really building up to this, um, I actually really enjoyed, for a little bit, until I stopped watching it, the uh, spin-off show, uh, Today's Menu with the Emia family. Right. Um, fate Stay really, for Dinner, as you say. Yeah, fate, fate Stay for Dinner, yeah. Really charming show. But there's an undercurrent to that that I hadn't considered at the time. Is it not a bit strange that, like, Saber, as an English person, finds Japanese food so wonderful and doesn't ever bring up, like her own cuisine. Now, I'm going to grant you, modern Japanese yeah. food is infinitely superior to whatever shit she would have been eating at the time, even as king. Let's, let's be fair here. <laughs> yeah. uh, hog roast? I don't know. Uh, it would right. have probably been better and probably you know, more hygienic, whatever you want to call it. But I, I'm building up to this point about propaganda where, like, hey, the king of England thinks this food's amazing. Isn't that isn't Japanese food so good? Like, I had hog roast in my time, but this onigiri is to die for. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's kind of what I was getting at, is that, like, I, and again, I, like you, really like a lot of fate, but, like, the characters, and Saber's a great example. I don't think Saber, like, that character bears very little resemblance, not, not resemblance, but, like, relationship, the relationship to, like, the... His, king arthur of you know history and such uh it is very little it's almost like you know that she's sort of like that's like a touchstone but like she exists in this universe and you don't really need to know that much at all or or care about the history and the same can be said of like hercules and gilgamesh and alexander the great they you know there's not this like 
amazing relationship to the folklore that they're these fully realized characters in the fate universe and like they're loosely tied uh, especially when you start getting into the gacha they're very loosely tied to their historical counterparts oh Whereas, god let's not um, even start talking about leonardo da vinci <laughs> jack jack the ripper right oh From- fuck <laughs> like yeah let's so I, I look. I'm. I can be. I, I'm going to be fair and be critical of fate for that. And let's be honest. You know, like a lot of the characters in the Gacha, especially, they are the way they are, character design wise, gender wise, whatever. Not because they, you know, they can have like a conversation where, say, again, to go back to Saber, like she actually reads up on her, like the history that's written about her, and then says, well, you know, like makes commentary about like gender politics. Right? It's not there for that. It's, mm-hmm. hey, cute waifu with, like, the hoje on the top and who, like, enjoys fine cooking from this Japanese boy. Who could be you. Actually, no, I think that's unfair. Like, I think Shiro is not so much a self-insert because he's too nice. But that's a discussion, <laughs> discussion for a different day. Uh, he's, so, he's, no, he's kind of an ass a lot of the time. Uh, but, I, uh, no, yeah, and I don't I actually should be clear. I don't. I personally don't mind a lot of the, uh, anything that I'm saying about fate. It, and really, it's not like a criticism of it. It's just a difference between it and Drifters. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind that it's sort of like Saber is very loosely based on, very, very loosely based on King Arthur. Like, in the visual novel, like, there's like flashbacks to stuff. But I like my understanding, and maybe it's very wanting here, but my, my understanding of it is like, I don't know. It's just sort of like, even that stuff, the historical flashbacks are very much like the interpretation of the author <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what i mean having some taking some liberties with with the text and everything so mm-hmm. but yeah but i but i don't mind it i i quite like fate um generally speaking mm-hmm. um and i just wanted yeah, that, to be clear about that that the fate yeah. hate is from you my friend i'm pointing at you hey i actually generally like as i say i like fate but there are things i can roundly criticize it for um mostly that it's well, it's gacha for a start, let's be fair. It is it has fully embraced its own gacha nature. Um <clears throat> and that, you know, most of the time it is interested in selling characters who like Ominu from her drifters have only two reasons for existing in the narrative that they're in. Let's be clear here. <sighs> right, uh is it my turn for a talking? It point? is now your turn, yes, sir. Right, okay. I'm still holding off from talking it, about yeah. propaganda because I'm teasing you all of it. Just teasing. Um Let's talk about bad comedy inserts, specifically the ones where everyone starts like appearing in this weird background and has their teeth gritted. What the fuck is that? Mutter, 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 mutter. What, what, what is it? What am I meant to find funny about this sudden weird like shift from like the ultra gritty, overly dark art style to, I don't know. It's like you got the guy who did peanuts and like, got him on acid and then said draw an anime shit involving Odin Nobunaga. I'm like, what the fuck is this nonsense? Is it meant to be funny? Like where we see Hannibal like being senile and like asking after raspberries? I Well, that, I that one, that one is a, I don't think a great example because he's, he's actually trying to show them a battle strategy um, in a roundabout silly sort of way. But there's mm-hmm. plenty of like where Nobunaga's hair is going in a million directions. And yeah. he's kind of waving around like a like a spaghetti noodle. Uh and yeah. just like a like a wavy tube man and just being like, Oh, do you, what? do you, do you, what's going on? 
time. Well, well, clearly he missed his calling for advertising for car dealerships. Then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> never mind. I, I, okay, look, I'm going to be honest here. I'm a damn dirty guy, Jim. I'm a, I'm a British guy. I'm as, I'm as white as the fucking snow that like sometimes drops on this <laughs> p- miserable country I come from. I'm bald. I've got a beard. I'm the like. I look like all those memes you see of like people pointing in the distance or like you know shrieking like you know when like I, I look like that fucking guy. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. I've I've dealt with this. I swear. So I'm probably in no position to comment on what I suspect is very much a cultural thing here. This is probably something that I suspect is very Japanese in its humor and that like Japanese people find amusing. I can only, however, speak to my own reaction and f- say that I found a lot of it just utterly baffling. Like you've got backgrounds with pineapples on them. Why? <laughs> it, it, am I looking at a wallpaper catalog now? Is is that what's going on? And there was one particularly egregious moment in the final episode where I think they had a breakaway from the fight between Toyo and ghost samurai um and they were having a just like i don't remember who even knew it was a discussion but they cut away to one of these moments where the art style completely changes and it completely kills the momentum that's coming from that fight like it's a complete tonal whiplash and just deflates what's going on hmm. this should be like the ultra serious end of the season where toyo might actually potentially die here could you believe it but no we're gonna have this goofy nah. like this goofy art style come in and it, I just didn't care for it any time it popped up. It was just distracting, jarring, and I didn't laugh at any of it. I, well, I don't get it, but again, right. I, that is the point, though. I, me singularly, mm. me personally, I don't get it. So take it for what you will. So when I watched the show while it was airing, I was in full agreement with you. I was very put off by these scenes in which like Shadon is saying it seemingly from, from nowhere uh, with little warning, there's like a hard cut from, you know, the, the character design and backgrounds and general art direction of drifters to, um, a lot more, uh, I guess, warm, friendly, backgrounds like you said with pineapple wallpaper or something and the characters are much more simply designed um much more silly looking uh kind of not even chibi versions of themselves but just very simply drawn uh you can tell who they're supposed to be but and it's clearly there to like say hey this is a comedy aside like you said this is a we're this is a little a little funsy here for whatever reason you know i don't know if like i wish mark was was here so he could tell us if this was in the manga mark, or if this mark, is an anime thing Mark probably has a complete spacious and, and again i must stress i don't get it but that doesn't automatically make it bad although i will contest as i say that it's bad in that one specific instance because it's just not properly placed there shouldn't have been any so, of those moments I, in the final episode. I really like it. I, I like this time watching it, I was surprised because I remember disliking it the first time, but watching it this time, I really enjoyed it. I, I laughed a lot at it. I mean, now, was I like rolling on the floor, slapping the mat? No. I chuckled. I shook my head and giggled. Um, I enjoyed those scenes uh, some of the time. Uh, they definitely helped, I think undercut Nobunaga the other scenes that sort of 
show him as incredibly evil. I think Nobu gets the most of these kind of scenes. At least he's the one that I remember more than um Oh, he definitely to- does. Toyo or Yoichi. I feel like Nobunaga gets a lot of these and and I think it is deliberate because I mean if you took those away from him, he really would seem just like uh I don't know, Hitler really super uh evil rather than like I don't know somewhat humanized, kind of goofy um, there's just that other side to the character that they develop. Uh, oh no, some character development <laughs> that they showcase. In Can't find that. Nope. Get out. Get out. Get out. Yeah, I wouldn't say. I mean, it's developed. It doesn't progress in any way. It's just there from the beginning, and it's there at the end. That's the wrong. That's the wrong word choice by me. Uh, a side of the character that they that they um, depict in the show. Uh, so like. I don't know. I I like. I didn't. You know what? I was gonna say I didn't mind them. I actually quite like them. I I like the tonal dissonance. It's usually not something I mind in shows. Um, yeah. So we are we are diametrically opposed on that. What a oh, surprise! Well, <laughs> welcome to welcome to Worry Dash. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! I I have nothing else to add about it other than just as I said, I didn't care for it. But I also I freely admit my alien nature in this respect so yeah mm, okay well uh my next point uh then is so i said that the the beginning of the show was the the best bit for me that's for a lot of different reasons um one of the reasons is that it does this thing really really well with the battles early on you know, we mentioned that the sword fighting, the duels, one-on-one combat, not great. At least not great looking. Uh, or great in terms of real Jeopardy. But they do this thing where it's the three heroes, the three original drifters, the ODs. Uh, and they're mm, like, I rag... T- I, see, I see what you did there. <laughs> yes. The rag... And, and like their ragtag band of elves. Uh, that they've liberated one village uh, and they're like against uh, a much greater force and they have to invade a village and invade a castle from the outside uh, and, and take over with smaller numbers, uh, smaller amount of weaponry, that kind of thing. They're at a distinct disadvantage in terms of raw battle power, but Nobunaga gets to kind of craft and, and do a plan he references other battles he's been in. Uh, and in this way, it's a little bit like, uh, I wish I could remember the author's name of Akagi and Kaiji, uh, where um, you sort of get an explanation laid out either at the front end or the back end of some improbable thing happening. Uh, and I quite like these scenes in most anime, certainly in those anime I reference. And I like these here in Drifters where you see the battle plan come together and you see the elves do this thing that they should not be able to do. Uh, and they liberate, uh, more of their, their, uh, brethren and their ladies. And it feels really good because the, uh, these oppressed people are winning, uh, getting one over on these really arrogant, you know, shithead knights, uh, and doing it through really kind of creative means, um, and I just, I found all that stuff interesting. And again, I don't think it, it does this stuff as well after the first few episodes. Um, cause in the middle, it's a few one-on-one fights 
and then like more of a like direct confrontation i would say uh for the final battle and so i i think what is good about the battles is for me there early on in the show and i think the show did it reasonably well and it was entertaining Fair enough. Um, I well, is now the time for me to drop my propaganda hot hot take. They put shit the in the well. The, oh God, they did. <laughs> they did. They put shit on the arrows as well. So, <laughs> just so much human fecal matter. Yeah, or elf, I, elf fecal matter. <laughs> I mean, I have a vague awareness of the fact that one can, in theory, make explosives from shit. So whatever, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like go on about. Well, actually, the scientific properties of the of the poop, like I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> but your point there is now probably as good a time as any for me to start dropping my propaganda hot take. Go for it. Okay, so <clears throat> when I say the word propaganda. I do not mean propaganda as created by government or a state. Propaganda can be created by anyone. Indeed, it's just a generalized term. Uh, we, When we hear the word propaganda, we tend to think of the products as created by a state rather than the general acts of creating propaganda or the general output that leads to it. I am of the opinion that Drifters is propaganda in that kind of way, that it's, again, not a state-driven thing or anything like that. Um, but it is just simply the products of a person who clearly has a great fondness for um, Japanese military history um, to the point where they need to accentuate and overblow like its importance. Now, just for, just to be clear here, like my knowledge of Japanese history is pathetically limited. Um but even then, it still felt shockingly transparent to me what was going on here. For example, I mentioned before about how, why does it feel like Toyo uh, never is in any danger of like being injured or dying? And this is the same question, believe it or not, as why do Nobu's tactics never fail? Because the characters are not allowed by the right to fail because they must always be awesome. They must always be good at what they do because that is part of the idea of propaganda propaganda in when it comes to military is about hey we're awesome um and that's the end of it there is no fallibility there is no weakness now i'll be fair here by the way because this funnily enough is something that came to my mind i want to just bring this up as an amusing comparison i've never seen the movie i'm about to reference but i have read about it and I was reminded of it the moment I saw the aircraft carrier pop up in uh, the opening. I'm referring to the film, The Final Countdown. Not the song by Europe, the film. And the film uh, is about the USS Nimitz and it gets teleported through time to the day before Pearl, Har Pearl Harbor. The Nimitz, by the way, is a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier. And it was made in conjunction with the US Department of Defense. Uh, so they had like a lot of footage of it and... There's an interesting idea in that film, from what I've read, where, hey, should we change history or not? Because we have a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier. We could easily stop Pearl Harbor single-handedly. No problem. Uh, but really, from what I've read, it was more about, well, US military propaganda, essentially. Hey, look at how awesome our aircraft carrier is. Uh, this film was from 1980, just for context. So, 
that's why Toyo ultimately cannot be allowed to lose or even show any sign of losing any of his fights. Why Nobu's tactics uh, never fail, why there's such emphasis placed on the use of muskets, which were a big thing in Nobu's era, um, and why he insists on making them, even though, again, I brought that they were actually a Portuguese import. Um, so there's that. Um, and also, you mentioned about the elves uh, being like liberated, but they were only also liberated by an outside force. Like, it takes a Nobu Ogunaga to save these people from their oppression. Is that not a little bit, like, cringeworthy in its own right? Like, it's one thing to say, hey, here's a bunch of people who oppress them. But here's another bunch of outsiders who save them. It, yeah, this is the whole thing about the propaganda stuff. It cannot allow the characters to be fallible in any way, shape, or form. And that's why the action ultimately is exhaustingly boring. Propaganda is, by its nature, boring because it's preaching to a choir. It's preaching to people who like these characters already and like them as much as the author of the show does. So, or the, the original material, rather. So, yeah. In my opinion, that's why I think this show is propaganda. And that's all well and good. I'm not going to fault it for being a, in its quality as a work of propaganda. But as someone looking in from the outside, I just find it a bit cynical and also just, as I say, boring. I wish it... Like, and that's the thing, like, it could have been done so differently where... Um, I should also mention, why are all the three main heroes Japanese? Why can there not be a mixture? Would it not have been super interesting, for example? I mean, to pull the example we said before, what if we had Ob Nobu Nobunaga and Saber, well, not Saber specifically, but this drifter's version of King Arthur working with him? Like, where they have very different perspectives, viewpoints, they clash a lot. You get different culturalist perspectives, all that sort of stuff. Like, I, oh, hell, bring in Napoleon for the fucking fun of it. Oh, this is also why, when I say it's propaganda, this is why the Japanese fighter pilot exists at all. And also why there's the show of the Japanese aircraft carrier. I mean, it could have so easily been the Nimitz. That would have actually been a funny call to that film I mentioned before, as an example. But, like, they're the ones that are glorified in this work. Even though, the funny thing is, like, that Japanese aircraft carrier, by virtue of it being a Japanese aircraft carrier must have been from World War II, and they got their asses kicked in World War II last I checked pre-Pearl Harbor. You know? Like, the Japanese Navy was non-existent prior to, you know, the atomic bombings, um, and after the Nazis fell. So, there's no way of looking, in my opinion, other than to say, yeah, this is less interesting necessarily being entertaining as it's more being, like, unfettered veneration of Japanese historical figures, and the final point I'll make to this is, you don't need to tell me how awesome Obu Nobunaga is, because like all of his tactical stuff that he'd done, all the victories he won, including his strategy of having a three-line musket group, so like they have the first line fire, then the second, then the third in rotation, like the the tactic he came up with, that I found through just looking him up on Wikipedia, the history already does show that he was competent at what he did. Why does he need additional, like? duffing up by saying, oh yeah, actually, it would take a Nobu Nobunaga to, like, you know, save this bunch of, like, elves. It all just rings very cynical to me, I must say. Oh, Well, why is because it's fun? I mean, I think it, it can be, you know, this, like, propagandistic kind of thing, but also be entertaining. Like, I, I find it rather harmless and it's kind of pro- pro-Japan, pro-Japanese history kind of deal. I mean, there's certainly some ways in which that can be harmful, but 
doesn't really happen here. Um, you know, uh, oh, this is not like Nazi propaganda or pro-Nazi stuff like trying. Yeah, I mean, the it's, world it, it's not. It's uh, not that some bad. kind of like race theory. Oh, hell no. thing or but, anything like that. It's just like you know, these historical figures from my country, me, me the author, my country are cool, and I want to have them doing cool shit. Yeah. Uh, along with and also against these other historical figures, and yep. I mean that that co- that concept. There's there's a lot of mileage to that for me. Um, so I found it very entertaining. Nonetheless, I mean, even though, again, you discover the engine, you know, if you're paying attention to the show, like, you know, early-ish on, I I certainly did, but the show remained uh, still fun and entertaining and silly in a good way to me. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I'm I not going to disagree with you. I just don't think it's like, to me, like a criticism. And to be fair, you said it was not a criticism either. Yeah. I, I mean, I like it knows what it is, and I suppose I can applaud it for that. And as I say, it's not the same way that, in my opinion, like the Nazi propaganda is, where it's actively like trying to make this because, uh, like, because it was created at the, at the time the Nazis were in power. Whereas this is obviously for figures who have long been dead. Um, and so all I can all I can say though is that it just makes it boring. Like they're always awesome all the time, and I'm like. I don't care. It's great. Uh, <laughs> I like the I, 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 I don't care. I don't find <laughs> any of this interesting. And I think that one could still make them awesome without having to rely on this cheap tactic. Because you know what I said before when I talked about the stuff I liked? And Ominu's use of that like stone barrier charm. These characters, historical figures though I may be, are encountering something in, in the the diegesis of, of drifters which they've never seen before but they have creative ways of using it that proves these characters are awesome to me because it's not something that i like that is purely based on like uncritical historical veneration but rather something demonstrated that's unique to this specific work that's what sticks out to me that works sure. and so drifters like might want to play the long game of well we're just going to have them always be awesome and whatever, but it's actually highlighted a solution for how one can show these characters being awesome in a way that isn't just like, hey, uh, you know, it takes a Nobu Nobunaga to like solve this, you know, elf rebellion problem or even like let them rebel in the first place. Right. You know, the the, right. the roadmap is there. They they've they've demonstrated it, and that's the bit I liked. So why not have the whole show be that? But that well, actually ties the, into something else I'm going to tackle in a minute. So, yeah, I mean, to be to be uh, charitable to drifters, I mean, we don't know I don't how do the rest charity. of yeah. Oh, to be generous, then we don't know how how much or, or how it would sh- sort of change on that front as it goes. I mean, you get the feeling that all this stuff is. Uh, an opening salvo to like more to come like and it it feels like it could be a lot more but we don't we don't really know and you know at the very end even though it is by another japanese person uh toyo gets beat and bloodied um and nobu's tactics did fail temporarily until hannibal came along 
demonstrated what to do with the raspberries. And then he was like, oh, wait a minute, I see how it goes. So, like, you know, perhaps as it goes along in the manga, there are more situations in which they're under real threat uh, and, you know, possibly perish some of them, possibly, you know, have near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. Don't know. Uh, But we can only judge the adaptation that has been made up till now. That's what we got. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, everything you're saying, uh, you know, in that regard, I guess, stands. Yeah. One other thing I'll note, does it not strike you also as a bit strange that with the exception of um, Mitsu, whatever his name is, Nobunaga's assassin, and the one other guy, the majority of the ends are Westerners? I mean, you literally, uh, let's just be blunt here. You have three Japanese military heroes of history of some sort or another, military figures, mythological figures, even if you want to call them that, and their main enemy is Jesus Christ. It is hilarious. I mean, I find all this really funny. It, I mean, everything it's, you're it's, saying it's makes me it's laugh. Dumb. Like, it's all dumb. the ends are Westerners and all the drifters, you know, are most of them are Japanese, except for a it, few it, yeah, who are it, off their rocker. It, <laughs> like, it's, it's dumb. Funny, it, it's rock stupid. Yes. But there's, there's just something about it that pushes it, like I said before, with the comparisons commando, beyond me being able to enjoy it for what it should be as a farce, to where I'm like, no, there's, there's some. Because you know what else reminds me of? Um, there's a show that I have seen only one episode of. And I never went back to watch any more of it because it wasn't my speed. I didn't find it funny. Have you ever heard of Fermé Rome? Uh, yes. Yes. It's, in fact, the manga for that won the award we were talking about at the beginning of the pod. Well, that explains a lot. But anyway, uh, for people who have <laughs> no idea what I'm talking about, Fermé Rome is... I'm... T- I... I'm trying to describe a show about more... public baths in Rome, isn't it? It's more than that. Um, because I was trying to describe the art style because I think it's the episodes are only like 12 minutes long a piece or something. They're more like shorts and they're not animated like regular anime, but that's actually not, I suppose, really relevant to what I'm going to bring up. The premise is there's a guy from Japan who travels back in time, having visited like a public bath in Japan, to a public bath in um, in Rome. Uh, so it's basically hot tub time machine. Um, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. But every time he visits, he introduces the ancient Romans to a ostensibly Japanese staple. I was going to say invention, but I'm fairly certain some of the things he introduces them to are not like the like originally Japanese. So one of them, for example, is he introduces them to the idea of bottled drinks with tops on the top, like you know corks or whatever. And all I could think of watching an episode, and this is what reminds me of in Drifters, is, isn't Japan awesome? <laughs> and, and that's and that's the thing, like, Ferme Rome is ostensibly a comedy, and I'm sure that, again, this is me, damn dirty, you know, milky bar kid, gaijin that I am. Like, it's not for me, I don't get it, it's not written for me, so my opinion is null and void on it. But I didn't find it funny, and that's why I didn't pursue any more of these episodes. But that's why I keep thinking of, like, I, because I didn't find it funny or insane, like that thought of, hey, isn't Japan awesome, like stuck in my brain. And it's the same thing with Drifters. Because you're right, on paper saying, hey, here's a bunch of Japanese heroes, including Oda Nobunaga, and they fight Jesus Christ in a world war. That should be amazing. amazing. That should right. be like the stuff of like, you know, anime Jesus, legend. Jesus tames a, a dragon during yeah. the show. <laughs> 
Like, but I think you just have your guard up when it comes to anime and you take it very seriously. That's ah, my professional well, opinion. Well, 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 my professional retort to you is that I've been leading up to my final point, which is I said, like, at the start, and then at some point, some of us through this podcast, I think Drifters is batshit in the wrong way. And that's where I'm going to get to in a moment after you've had your next talking point. And that'll explain and hopefully wrap up why this hasn't worked for me. Okay. Um, so I, have, I think two more points. So this is this works out nicely. Um, nice. So just want to talk about the the fun that the show has with like jamming together people from various time periods and you know using using their like being in the same place to make these jokes like okay for instance uh count uh saint germain um count saint germain is like kind of a weird figure like he was i want to say he was like an advisor type guy for a while to some governments but the big thing i remember about him is that like he his name keeps popping up in history literally for centuries like he was seen in the early 20th century he was also seen in the 1700s the 1800s and supposedly he never aged like from like when people first saw him in public life all the way through down the years when people would see him, he would look the same. So, he was also, in, I mean, if you think like uh, he's a sole appear in uh, Drifters, he of course was in Castlevania season three and season four. Maybe not oh, necessarily yeah. the exact same <laughs> right. historical figure, but he was in yes. them, same name. That's right. That's true. So this this Saint Germain, like, uh, he <laughs> he's hanging out with Hannibal in this one scene. And Hannibal is, like, goofing. They're like, they don't know who he is. Like, he, Jermaine doesn't know who he is. And he asks Nobunaga, who, who is that old man? And Nobunaga's like, eh, it's just some old man. And it cut to Hannibal, like, being goofy and playing with, like, I don't know, berries or something. And then Jermaine is like, that scares him straight. And he's like, oh, getting old seems terrifying. And so... That's the joke is like this this is what spurred him seeing old the senile Hannibal <laughs> spurred him to find some kind of like fountain of youth or concoction in which made him unable not unable but but reversed his aging process and made him young for centuries and centuries and uh stuff like that I just find delightful in the show. I mean there's um we mentioned a few times Gidere, very minor character in the show. Do you remember Gidere from Fate Zero, Shadon? Uh, I how could I forget uh, the bug-eyed caster who <laughs> like basically put children in an oven? Yeah, so Gidere uh, was tried and convicted for being a child serial killer. Um, ah, that explains that historical reference. <laughs> exactly, uh, but also Gidere was a, was a com- true compatriot uh, of uh, Jean d'Arc, and. There is some like precedent for people writing about DeRay that like he was like that his conviction was basically a frame up that he was railroaded by people in power that didn't like him 
forced confession out of him and basically just, you know, ruined his reputation and then killed him uh, and did all this legally. So the show, the show doesn't say that, but, but the show does this thing where like DeRay loved Jean so much in life. And when she died, he was like, oh my God, I have to be reunited with her. She's been burned at the stake, so she's gone to hell. So now I have to go to hell to be with her, so I have to be as evil as possible. And the show puts an ellipsis there. That ellipsis is basically like, I have to do all the horrible things that the historical Gilles Ray was convicted of because I love Jean so much, I want to go to hell so badly. Um, wow. And <laughs> that's just fucking wild, dude. That's bananas. And then, you know, they're reunited in this drifter world and uh, uh, ever briefly because he gets turned into, uh, you know, he gets the Lot's wife treatment. He's turned into salt. And that's just weird and strange. And it deals with some very dark subject matter. But like, again, because it's centuries and centuries old, it just makes me laugh. I'm like, what the fuck, drifters? <laughs> like, just craziness. So... I mean, that kind of thing is something that uh, I found to be a constant source of delight in the show. Just like these mm. characters bouncing off of each other and like, like I said, being tr- sort of true to their their histories to a greater or lesser degree. And like, you know, having all these jokes and uh, like weird takes on different parts of their history. I just found it all very interesting and pretty amusing and fascinating fair enough i can't fault you for that what i can't fault the show for though uh to move on to my next and final talking point so i said i've said many times throughout this podcast that i thought drifters was batshit in the wrong way and what do i mean by that because by example doc would you agree with me and i think this is a pretty uncontroversial and People have, like, a good consensus on this. Would you describe JoJo's, say, part four, to pick one out specifically, as batshit insane? How many times do we have to say this? I've never seen JoJo's part four. We've had this discussion on pod. Uh, uh, (laughs) I've seen the first part. I've seen the first, uh, most of the first season of Stardust. I haven't seen the Egypt arc. I would, from my memory, I would not describe it. Part two, part two, batshit. Okay. Would you say part two is batshit insane? I I wouldn't. I don't mind. That's not my memory of it. It was certainly kind of, it was certainly, you know, its own brand of silliness. And I enjoyed right. it. Okay. Um, right. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't I, mean to throw you off. You, I am, you, in, I am, a, I, I am the opinion that, watch that JoJo's... <laughs> okay, yeah, let's use Baki. Baki is batshit insane. Uh, yes. I haven't actually seen that admittedly, but all right. The thing is, shows that one could describe as batshit insane are not batshit insane in the same way. Like I describe, for example, the uh, Ginga Weed show as batshit insane. For what I've seen of it, it's oh, the dog show. Yes, just Listen. I mean, there's talking dogs fighting bears in a war. This is a Disney thing. This happens every year in America. They release a, a new movie with talking dogs. Sometimes do they're the fighting talk- a war, but do, sometimes do the, not. Do the talking dogs fight bears? Sometimes. <laughs> In <Yeah>. bloody warfare? <laughs> Listen, All right, have hey, you hey. read Watership Down? 
Uh, I haven't, but I know of what that's happens. So that's good. Fu- <laughs> yeah, that that's fucks up. Uh, okay. Private war. <laughs> okay, yes. so anyway, I mean, also the, I mean, this is the BBC's here, like a uh, farthing wood. Fucks up shit happens in that. Holy shit, that scarred my childhood. Anyway, <laughs> never mind. I'm gonna move away from that. So, um, in my opinion, Drifters is batshit, but it's batshit in the wrong way. What do I mean by that? Well, the ways it's batshit are. There's a lot of poop in it. Yes. So it's literal batshit, although not yes. bat guano. It's just like they make explosives from they poop and there's like poop. Poop bombs stuff. and they dip arrows in poop and they put poop in the well so that the soldiers can't uh, drink. The The opposing soldiers can't can't have fresh water. It's a lot of yep. it's a strategically deployed poop. Yeah. There is the inclusion of Jesus Christ himself. That alone Incredible. is pretty, pretty out Incredible. there. Um, there, of course, are dragons in it. Um, briefly, I should admit, uh, like this one. Yeah, scene they're not the in Jesus. there as often as I would like. They do fight. Yeah. The, the Japanese fighter pilot does shoot them up, and that's a for pretty like, cool moment for like two mo- two minutes or something. It is a scene in an episode. Yes, that not yes. enough of that. Sure. Yeah, and uh, there's also like all the weird comedy scenes. There's the f- jokey jokes with Omer. Like that's the kind of batshitness I'd say, and also just like Toyo's like general attitude, like where he's just basically insane and just wants to cut people's heads off. Um, that's the way I describe this show as batshit. But it's also, in my opinion, very very tame in its fantasy setting because. The thing that Drifters does that Fate does not is it introduces, well, wider conflicts and it has fantasy creatures. Now, I'm not going to say like Fate doesn't have any fantasy creatures. I know that's not true, but rather they're not tied to any specific person or servant or drifter or end or whatever, but rather they're just a feature of the armies that are floating around here. But a lot of it is also just painfully generic. We have elves and we have dwarves. The elves have uh, do archery and the dwarves build things. I've heard, I've seen that so many fucking times now. It just feels dry to me. <laughs> um, and this is the thing, like, I've said before that for me, this show needs to go more batshit in a different way. And so having brought in the fantasy element of dragons, why are we not seeing some more crazy shit out there which melds, like, the idea of modern or, like, even, like, warfare back then with fantasy stuff? Um... I've suggested some stuff to you in the chat and I've also said it elsewhere. Like, you know what I want? I want like two stories tall Cyclops who have t- like <laughs> an- like tank sized sniper rifles. That'd be funny because it's a Cyclops using a sniper rifle. How does that work? That'd be amusing, but it'd be something different. Or how about like a Beholder who's like got like a British accent and a top hat and he's like directing troops in a trench. Like, Mix your shit up super hard, in my opinion, for this. Like, make it super fucking crazy. Like, you know that Gatling gun? Have that on the back of a dragon. And then just have, like, you know, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid riding on the back of a dragon, raining death from above with this Gatling can. They're just cackling like maniacs. <laughs> it need, You need to go to 11 with the fantasy elements in this one. Like, really, really start mixing shit. Or even bring in, like, we mentioned Black Lion uh, another time, if I recall correctly. Oh, so good. Yes. Yeah, which is, is dumb and stupid in its own right. And it's Great. also just logically consistent. But, like, throw some stuff in like that. Um, You know, you've opened the door here by including these fantasy elements of dragons, dwarves, or whatever. 
go beyond that. Go beyond the obvious. Go beyond the cliche. Go beyond, like, the stuff we've seen before. Start really, really mixing your shit up. Get creative with it. If it had done that, then I think I would have probably broken through that, like, ceiling of being trapped, like, by thinking this is just... This is mm. just propaganda. Like, this is... Uh, and again, I must stress, that's not state propaganda. That's just, like, someone really trying to sell his, like, own, like, you know, appreciation of Japanese history. Like, really go ham on this stuff. Go all in. And I would have been happy with it then. I want some crazy fucking shit in this show. I'm actually genuinely surprised. Like, I mean, as much as I, like, said, like, my own, like, Cyclops with sniper rifles example... I'm actually surprised there wasn't even any, like, giants in this show in general, given that this show followed Attack on Titan by three years. You'd figure it would want to ride the dovetails of that a little bit. But that's my point, though. Like, I mean, you've also got the aircraft carrier, which doesn't feature in this at all. Uh, yeah, it immediately crashes so that it can't be some kind of advantage for the drifters. But you can ride that any which way you want. So, like, you can throw all sorts of stuff in. I mean, I was thinking of civilization of all things, where you've got shit like sure. Gandhi, like, nuking fucking, you know, places, like, and all sorts of stuff. And you've got, like, native spearmen, like, fighting an aircraft carrier. Go hog wild. Don't feel restrained. Like, this is a battle in a new world war, and it never felt like it got past a Lord of the Rings fan film for me. Mm. It so just I felt think... so weak and lame in that respect. So I, I think that while that would be fun, I think the desire for that in Drifters misunderstands what Drifters is. Because I think it's not necessarily trying to create a new world with its own unique uh, feel. Independent, What it's trying to do is make something fun and I guess novel out of bringing together a bunch of things that we do know that don't belong together. Um, and I think having a sort of rote fantasy world is part of that. I think adding all the crazy stuff on top of that is the spice, you know, I mean, Jesus gets to command an army of orcs and dragons. Like, I mean, to me, that is, as bonkers as a cyclops shooting a sniper rifle just conceptually it's insane <laughs> like the fact that he would turn against humanity because humanity rejected him and or mm. that jean d'arc will be a fire wielder <laughs> like uh you know you have like is it the jets fighting the dragons and just um fucking uh What's his face? Rasputin has a like a superpower of like I don't know, he can project himself somewhere. Like magic is a thing. Like you said, you have the stone creation stuff. Um, but like it also doesn't necessarily want to pull in too much modern weaponry because then, you know, at, like you pointed out, like then the Japanese characters would be easily defeated because they don't really understand it. Uh, and they're just dudes. Uh, I mean, I mean, there's no, there's no modern Japanese weaponry really period after world war two anyway, because of the abolition of the army. So you're kind of handicapped there, but well, they have the J they have the JDS, the, the national defense force. Um, yeah, but that isn't showy though, is it? That's the thing. Well, it's not about being showy. It's just because they're like, this, nobody... this is the aircraft carrier in the opening and it doesn't even do shit. 
it's totally this as far as I don't know, but it, yeah, well, it's it's for later. <laughs> it's for later. Um, for later, fuck's sake. <laughs> it is. Well, it is because it's in the opening, but it's not used in the anime. So there's clearly meant to be more. Because uh, that dude is sitting in a room with someone else in, at the at the end credits. Isn't like I, I we're feel, about to get I, him. But I just think like yeah, like it, where we are right now. I mean, I don't think that bringing in a weapon that could easily defeat Toyohisa is like what the show feels is in its best interest. And I mean, to, to be, I mean, it is in that way it's constrained, but like there, I mean, a, a dude summons the ghosts of all his Shinsengumi brethren that are, that were killed by the rebels to fight, you know, this member of uh, this member of that clan who preceded him by 200 years. I think there is so much conceptual batshittery in this show that if you just stop and think about what's happening, it's totally not of just bonkers. It's off the wall bananas. And like, it's so, I think it is batshit, but I don't think it's like moment to moment spectacle in the same way that like Die Buster is or that Baki is just always one-upping itself. Baki is with like fights in a phone booth and like his dad flexes his back muscles and there's a demon face in it. Like just all that wackiness that's just always happening. Like this show is, it's just doing things in a different way than that. For, for me, it is plenty bonkers, but it's just not spectacle. It's more like, the idea of what's happening at any point. If I stop and think about it, I'm like, good God, this is so fucking dumb. It's great. Um, mm. But it, I mean, now that, you know, that can only get some people so far. Some people still are going to want entertaining one-on-one duels, well-animated action scenes. And like uh, that show falls short there. So yep. it's not going mean- to do it for everyone. I mean, my comparisons to Fate and all that, like, I, I wouldn't ask for this show to be like Fate, where it is all about the one-on-ones. Like, it says, you know, it's in a brand new world war. So go in on that. Give me some fucking, like, you know, crazy, like, army shit where... I mean, Ryan did a little bit of, um, I don't know if you saw it or not, Yasuke. Uh, the LaShawn Thomas, I think it was. Um, or, I can't remember his fucking name. Uh, no, that's, Netflix, that's correct. Yeah. I haven't seen LaShawn that Thomas, yet. There's, like, army scenes where it's, like, giant, like, cyclops, like, that shoot death lasers out of their eyes and stuff like that. And mm-hmm, obviously mm-hmm. this is set, supposed to be set in Japan, uh, but it's clearly not based on any historic... But I was like, holy shit, there's some crazy stuff going on in here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have been okay with that. And I do... I'm not going to deny, of course, like, that there is the stuff you mentioned, like, the fact that Jesus has got, like, dragons in his army. But those are so, to my mind, like, infrequent. Like, the majority of the show is our three heroes leading a bunch of elves and then a bunch of dwarves against... I know, isn't that... That's fucking ridiculous. Lazy? No, it's not lazy. Are you kidding me? Like, like these heroes from Japanese history, like, liberating elves and dwarves is wild <laughs> to me. I, 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 mean, I mean, lazy in the sense, like, that's all that is. Like, I've, I've seen enough elf stuff, I've seen enough dwarf stuff to last me a lifetime... Can we not get a bit more book wild here or do something different? Well, that's what I mean. It's th- that's what I'm, I think I'm, I'm not articulating clearly enough that the fantasy world is 
it's almost like its own historical character. It's almost like a, a King Arthur or something like that. It is, it is a character. It is something that has a history. It is well established and we know it. It's mm. not like anything, it, you know, it drifters didn't make anything new with its fantasy world because it wants to combine and, and remix like mush all these things together that we know and the results would be what they are. Hmm. Does that make sense? It, it's not enough for me to to like say that because I honestly like I watched those episodes and part of the reason I found them boring is just like here's elves and here's dwarves and that's all we've got and they're gonna do the things that they've been established doing tropes before and look I'm not saying that that's that that's always a, gonna be a bad thing but I just wish the show had just gone in a different direction mm. and maybe that's just me I admit that. Mm-hmm. I admit I didn't find this show all that appealing, and maybe that's just wish fulfillment on my part, but I can only speak to my reaction, which is I was bored throughout much of it, and part of the reason was because for much of the show it was just, we're going to liberate elves and dwarves from a racist government, and I've seen that a million times before and done better. I mentioned Flotsam, for example, from Witch 2, and, and indeed much of the Witch 2, depending on how you play it, is that story, except it's done better. Granted, it's not an anime, but yeah, I was just like, I just, it just washed over me. Yeah, I mean, you, I think, need characters that, in the fiction that you're reading, uh, are fleshed out, developed, are, are are more, have more depth and stuff to them like that. Maybe that would have made you sort of more invested in what's happening, because, like, this is sort of like those times where, uh like what am i what am i thinking of here i can't think of a good example but we've talked about other anime before that like rely on knowledge outside of the source material and i mean that's that's very much a thing here like it's counting on your interest in knowledge of uh an excitement over all these characters, all these things from outside the source material coming together here on screen. And it's not like wasting time or spending time, however you want to put it, like trying to make them interesting in the fiction itself. It's just like, here are these characters. And if, if you don't find them interesting already, or the idea of them fighting on a chessboard, interesting in and of itself I could definitely see you being bored by them. Um, uh-huh. But I mean, even yet and still, my final point is that like, so I didn't really know anything about uh, Toyohisa before coming into this. Um, and I actually really, really liked his character. I enjoy the really hot blooded, you know, battle craze male protagonist. Um, he was a ruthless killer, but he had principles, goddammit. Um, <laughs> you know, he had a code that he stuck to. And was it a sort of a sexist code at times? Sure. You know, the Wu Fei, like, I don't kill bleeding hearts or women, <laughs> but way less annoying. It's like, oh, you're a lady, Jean d'Arc? I'm not going to kill you. And for some reason, having him say it in the way that he said it, because he's such a, he's not a smarmy kid who, full of himself and thinks he knows everything. He he's just a dumbass who's really good at fighting who kind of knows he's a dumbass. 
it didn't like upset me in that same way. I was like fine with it. I'm like, oh, you're so misguided. That's sweet. <laughs> but like, I, I have to stress. I have to stress again. Uh, I'm I'm not upset by this. It's just I'm bored by it. Um. No, I thought he had some really cool unifying speeches. Like I really enjoyed that aspect of his character, like bringing people together. It's that cool moment where like the elves didn't want to help the dwarves because of their, you know, very storied kind of feud. And he just left. He was like, well, if you, point, if you guys won't do slip, it. Is this the point where I slip in the clip from Lord of the Rings where I said, if I knew I was dying side by side with an elf. <laughs> and exactly. he goes, well, if you die yeah. side by side with a friend, I... As I could do <laughs> exactly um and so dude just leaves Toihisa and like then they slowly start trickling out to follow like his conviction at that point he knew no speech he made could move them but like he was just gonna take action and then one you know his closest elf buddies followed him and then the rest did and things like that I I don't know I just really enjoyed his character he was upbeat uh and goofy uh, and single-minded things that I enjoy in the protagonist of this sort of thing. Um, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit like a uh, man from Promare firefighter man. Um, oh, <laughs> and uh, there was some interesting foreshadowing, you know, very, very blatant foreshadowing, of course, but like, you know, you often had Nobunaga commenting on his personality and how he could, potentially exploit those weaknesses and so you're thinking you know you said this earlier like maybe Odunaga, uh, Nobunaga turns right uh at some point and you could definitely uh, like the seeds have been planted uh for that and I just found all that stuff really neat uh and I liked his character a whole bunch so um yeah it was, the most, it was one of the most insane parts of the show but it wasn't enough to make me care about it unfortunately um but yeah, I've I've said my piece on it. Like, I think that in a different scripted differently, like you could have done it as you say, like where it is character focused. I'd have enjoyed that more. Or you could have abandoned that entirely and then just gone more crazy uh, all the time, and I'd have enjoyed that more as well. But it didn't do either. It was just I say very middle of the road, very average, very. Bleh. I just didn't care in the end. Uh so is that your final thought? because <laughs> i've said all my zero. main points there we go yeah i'm done i've said all i wanted to say <laughs> uh well i mean just to sum it up i, I think this is a, a great ride and if uh the caveats i mentioned um a couple hours ago don't uh deter you then and shadon mentioned too don't deter you then I mean, I think I, I'd totally recommend the show if anything we've said, uh, you know, um, seems appealing. Uh, it was, it tickled me, tickled a part of my brain. And anytime, like I said, I stopped and thought about what was going on, I just like, had to shake my head and be like, oh my God, I can't believe this shit is happening. Um, not perfect because of, uh, you know, deficiencies in the action, animation, and direction and some of the general art design, uh, you know, and, and it can start to lose steam a bit as it goes because, you know, Shadon has mentioned this, like it's very straightforward. It kind of 
You see where it's going, it knows where it's going, and it goes there. And if you're not on board with the concept early on, you know, it's going to, it's probably not going to do anything for you. But uh, if you want some, you know, hot-blooded sword fighting stuff, some, like, weird historical juxtapositions, uh, some goofiness, uh, general air of camp uh, and wackiness, um, without, you know, that's all conceptual. It's not a spectacle. You know, it's not on that level of die buster. We're like, oh, God, she just threw a black hole at someone. or You know what I mean? Um <laughs> So I don't know. Uh, for me, it's really good. It's entertaining. It's a lot of fun. And I hope people uh, get something out of it. And Shadon, I, I definitely am sorry that it bored you. I was not I was not looking to. Um... Oh, don't. don't, don't need to, <clears throat> pardon me. Don't, you don't need to apologize. Like it was. I was not looking to inflict I... pain upon you necessarily either. I, 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 I thought you might really, really hate it. And been part of me thought like you'd have a lot of fun with it, but I did not expect you to be bored by it. But to be fair, I was only going off my memories of the first four to five episodes. So, dude, you don't need to apologize. I mean, it, the thing is, like, for all my gripes, like it's still fun talking about it. Um, even like when we've done terrible shit before, and this will probably remain true for as long as we do the podcast. Like, it can still be interesting to talk about oh, it's the our best. differences and where we think it's gone wrong. Like. But once I clicked on my thoughts about like how, hey, this is very much propaganda, like it became a fascinating thing to look at in yeah. its own right. Um, and if you want my final opinion, right, well, let's put it this way. Only one of these two things are true. Either I'm full of shit or the show is. And the only way you're going to find that out for sure is by watching <laughs> it yourself for a couple of episodes. Hey. Hey. There you go. Well, I think, I think that's it. I think Drifters uh, is in the books. We've done it. Um, Shadon, do you want to reveal to the people your picks for our next podcast? Or do you want to save that? I do indeed, as All a right. matter of fact. Okie dokie. So I don't know when we're going to get around to doing this, to be honest. We'll, we'll figure out the date at a later point. But uh, we are rotating between doing anime and non-anime. So we've done our anime slot, which is Drifters, and therefore it means I get to pick the non-anime one next time around. Hey, hey. And what are we going to do? Well... We are still going to be tackling animation, and I've wanted to start leading into talking more about animated superhero stuff. Specifically stuff that like has got a good reputation, and to really tackle um, what makes it work. Because I like anime a lot, but there's a lot of decent, if not good, West animation out there as well. Oh, yeah. I grant you, I grant you, though, admittedly, that seems to have been more in the past than present. But then again, some people oh, will also say no that. Way. No way. No, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. I mean, with superhero stuff. Ah, OK. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, okay, I mean, okay. I mean, I mean, with superhero stuff specifically, because <laughs> I because I know people bring up like Bojack Horseman, for example, or Tuka and Bertie, uh, but no, uh, like yeah all that stuff uh but like i i mean anyway, in universe to the, to, to, to the point in question uh what i mean to say is that uh, i've wanted to cover Dumbo. some su- animated superhero stuff for a while um and talk about it in more depth because i also have quite a history of it like it's one st- stuff i started watching like 
when I was younger and like I've grown up with. Right. And so it's fascinating to review that. So without further ado, I'm going to reveal that our first look into the world of super animated Western superhero stuff, we're doing a twofer. We're doing two films. Double feature. Uh, both of which I am of the opinion are the absolute exemplars uh, of the portrayal of their particular superheroes that feature in them. I don't think you'll find better material anywhere, in my opinion, at least as far as animation is concerned, or even live action for that matter. I won't really speak for the comics, I don't read comics, because I think they're usually crap, but that's beside the point. Uh, I don't think you'll find a better example or a better distillation of what these two characters are about in their two respective films. So we are doing a double bill in a single podcast of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the 2018 film, if I recall correctly, uh, which old? has had a wow, <laughs> yeah, it's had which has had a substantial impact. Uh, I must say, outside of its release, like I mean, it's responsible for at the time of recording the as of yet unreleased but very much hyped Spider-Man: Far From Home. There's no way that you can say that Spider-Verse wasn't responsible in part for that film's conception, plot-wise, um, and in of itself is a work of art, in my opinion. But the counterpoint to that, uh, crossing over from Marvel to DC, we're going to be covering an older animated film that also, like Spider-Verse, was criminally uh, underrated at the time it came out and not given the appreciation it should have been in terms of box office returns. I am referring to, uh, from the DC animated universe, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, which is also, in my opinion, an absolute work of art. Uh, it's so it good. Is it is, in my opinion, better than pretty much any live-action ad adaptation of Batman that came out around the time it was created or since. Uh, granted, some live-action versions of Batman are not intending to be like Phantasm. I mean, Adam West is its own uh, kettle of fish. But yeah, uh, Spider-Verse and Phantasm are both incredible films, and in my opinion, both the perfect distillations of their respective characters, and we're going to talk about why that is when yeah. we cover them next on uh, our future podcasts on that. Yeah. So definitely look forward to that. I'm super pumped for it. I've got a lot of thoughts already on both films I want to cover. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out for that. You probably have heard uh, many of Shadon's Mask of the Phantasm thoughts over the years if you're a longtime listener. I know he's br you brought it up on a number of occasions. I, I've i seen both films uh, more than once, so this will be a first time viewing for neither of us. And I'll just say up front, I, I am also very excited. My opinion, Mask of the Phantasm has the best visual gag in an animated thing ever. Like ever, mm -hmm. ever, ever. Uh, with the sausage. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> it's it's the greatest. I, it cracks me up every time. Uh, so look forward to that, folks, uh, in the next sometime within the next few weeks um as we try to get back on some thing of a regular schedule um we had wanted to have a guest on for this pod uh but they were not able to to make it we delayed a couple times and just didn't, uh, did not end up working out and uh holidays in america are coming up soon and then Christmas, and so, like, a lot is coming up. Uh, we're going to try to get some episodes out, but certainly at the turn of the year, we will we will definitely get on the, like, two episodes will be released each month. Um, so apologies for the extended delay uh, after the end of our episodic analysis series. 
Um, Shadon, if people want to get in touch with you on Twitter, how can they do this? They can do that by donating to our Ko-Fi, because we need to mention that as well. Hey, uh, true. So, uh, I'm going to come up to you now, mug in hand, and say, fill my Ko-Fi. Ha ha, easy jokes, easy. But yes, if you've enjoyed this podcast and you want to show your appreciation uh, financially, um, feel free to pop over to uh, ko-fi.com uh, forward slash worrydesho. So that's ko dash fi.com forward slash worry dash show you can put in whatever amount you want uh any tips are welcome and appreciated and humbly uh, accepted so feel free to do so uh entirely up to yourselves of course we're no longer gating any content behind a paywall uh but nonetheless if you feel like you want to just drop a little bit in our tip jar by all means do so and in turn of course if you're listening to this elsewhere and think okay don't have the money but do like these guys, want to support them however I can, well, you can, you know, you can always send me, like, a nice emoji on Twitter if you want, but rather, <laughs> uh, feel free to subscribe to whatever social media service you find this on. Uh, you know, we're making our usual call to action shit that you've heard a thousand times before. Thankfully, this being an audio format, there's no obnoxious subscribe clicky button turning up on this on the video, so enjoy that. Enjoy being despaired <laughs> that nonsense. But yeah, do feel free to subscribe and like wherever you find us, be it on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple music pods whatever it is hell if you find us on a usb stick in the street somehow i don't know how you've done that <laughs> but hey feel free to thank the person who drops it there if you ever find out who they are uh, so yeah do that as for me if you want to talk to me in specific you can find me at shane 1010 on twitter that is shaden 1010 i'll talk about anything and everything except bad uh, videos about half-life I'm being cryptic about that, but believe me, I've had some bad blood about that in the past week. So please don't come at me with your bad Half-Life takes, or any Half-Life takes for that matter. Just, just don't. <laughs> Leave it there. But don't talk anime, about Half-Life. Yes. Talk, talk to me about things, for example, like how I recently watched Perfect Blue, which was fucking great, or Paprika, uh, which was also great, or, uh, or how I've also this year watched uh, Bubblegum Crisis, Dirty Pair, uh, Iria, the Zerum animation, whatever it's called, uh, and Gunsmith Cats, which are I mean, you want my anime of the year? It's, uh, it's that period, basically. <laughs> You've been uh, delving into like the eighties, nineties. I'm yeah. I, I'm a fan. Thumbs up. Like, all that I, I mean, Pete. Sci-fi people channel say, show. people say, like you know that that era of anime, or like even maybe a little earlier, was the best it's ever been. Now, I fundamentally disagree because I think that the era of anime we have now is a very different beast than what we had then. I don't think they're directly comparable. But I will not lie sure. when I say that that kind of stuff uh, that I've just mentioned there is infinitely charming, deeply enjoyable, and we're never going to see anything like it again. And that makes me sad. But I mean, I also think that in a way it's probably good we're not going to see anything like that again because, well, you can't recreate that anymore. We, we're not in those times. So what can you do? But anyway, yeah, feel uh, free to talk to me about all sorts of crazy shit like that. Just keep your Half-Life shit to yourself. I don't care. I'll say it's bad that we're not getting shit like that. I feel free to recreate it. Do it. Just do it. Just you. Just you make do realize... it. Again, start. Start doing it again, please. Um, do you do realize that Disney is making a brand new X Men cartoon based on the 1990s cartoon? It's gonna suck. I don't because... want Disney to make Iria Zerum again. I want you know Studio Madhouse or or uh, you know Cloverworks or whoever. Uh, not Gynax, but uh, Kara, now that they're done with Evangelion. Like, yeah, make Bubblegum Crisis. I, I, you know, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to just keep your mitts out of this, Disney. Uh, speaking of area, like, did you did you watch that with uh, the group? 
or did you watch that um on Privately. your own time? Okay, okay, okay. That's cool. Cause um I remember watching that it may have even been gosh, in 2020, uh, with the WD Discord. Because uh, it was on YouTube at the time on um, Retro Crush, and it's great. Uh, very quick. What did you think of Area Zerum? Didn't it rule? Yeah, it was. It was the shit. It's so fucking <laughs> like, good. Yeah. Um. I. I mean, we're not doing a podcast, so I'll keep it super brief. But not yet. Whoever, whoever, whoever voiced Sailor Mercury and Sailor Moon does a damn fine job of voicing a bounty hunter in space. I'll say that much. God, that show is so it's literally the same voice actress it is. which i was just like where do i recognize that voice from oh yeah yeah you it's... go you go shoot that alien up at me you go shoot <laughs> her up real good takes me back to like being 16 watching that on just stumbling uh... upon it on tv had no idea just like click click oh what's this oh oh shit <laughs> this is amazing mm-hmm. uh yeah love that we we may have to do a pot on that at some point um I am The Subtle Doctor. You can find me on Twitter at The Subtle Doctor. As Shadon said, like, subscribe, follow, share our content. There's uh, the the coffee, Ko-Fi, uh, for, for tips if you so desire. But uh, just tell a friend about us uh, or give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts uh, if you would like to help out the pod and help our discoverability. But I think that is going to do it, my friend. And my friends out there listening, thank you so Time much. to drift off. Yep, we're going to drift away now. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, as ever, you know, if you've been uh, A1 since day one or this is your first WD, we appreciate you and love you from the bottom of our hearts. And until next time, he should on. I'm the Subtle Doctor. This has been Watery Desho saying embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Good night. Bring back the brothers. Thank you.